Welcome to episode 141 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the down-to-the-wire edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, I'm your host, and my co-host Joshua Fine is shot out of a canyon as the great, uh, great late, great Benny Parsons uh, once said uh, in a Freudian slip. Uh, Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars just made a trade uh, just a few, like probably about a half hour ago. It went through Trent Balky, uh, moved their former dual two time thousand yard rusher, James Robinson, for I think uh for for a for a sloppy deal, uh, I think. Yeah, they've they've traded James Robinson for a sixth round pick that could become a fifth if he reaches uh six hundred yards on the season. Um so yeah, and actually it happened about almost yeah, about an hour ago. So but it's just um, I mean the, the compensation I mean, people are saying like, "Oh, it's not, it's not enough." And to be honest, I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. I feel like, um, you know, for an undrafted free agent um, who, you know, has been been injured last year and you know hasn't got, seen a lot of carries this year um, and had a good, you know, rookie season. Um, you know, I, you set the record for most yards by an undrafted free agent for a running back, I think. But um, regardless of that fact, um, I. I actually kind of do think the compensation is probably where it would have been or where, where, you know, needed to be. But the problem is, is that the, the, the move lacks a lot of foresight um, because, you know, Travis Etienne, as good as he is so far, he's got a lot of speed um, and he's been able to take, you know, runs to the outside. You know, I don't trust him uh, running up the middle just yet. I mean, he's in the preseason, he had some good carries up the middle, but um regular season um just feel like he hasn't been as uh effective between the tackles as uh j-rob has because j-rob you know he doesn't have the speed but you know he's got that ability to you know find the hole and you know make something of it and that's that's why he's been so good is um you know just um, a running back who somehow finds yards when there isn't i guess and you know that's that's why i'm kind of you know tilted i guess about this move because um, you know, he's he got a effective one-two punch and, you know, they're getting rid of it. And I don't think Travis Etienne's um, quite uh, ascended to that RB1 role. And then also on the fact that Etienne's allowed the ninth most pressures for running back so far this season. And the only game he started uh, was the this past game against the Giants. And so that's, uh, that's pretty high um, for someone who hasn't, you know, received the majority of the snaps. And um, even even if that, I mean, he's only getting about like, you know, 10 to 15 carries a, uh, or touches a game at most and, um, you know, all of that. So, uh, you know, James Robinson's only allowed one pressure this season. And, um, you know, he's, a, in my opinion, more, more complete. You know, he just doesn't have the speed. And, you know, um, in my opinion, you know, the Jaguars need to focus more on the run. And, you know, they, they're trying to focus in on the pass when – this year, passing is down throughout the league. Uh, you know, the defenses have adjusted well with, I think, cover two defense. And uh, a lot. Of, I think a lot of teams are trying to run the ball more this year. And, you know, just um, lack of lack of foresight. And, you know, we were talking about earlier, just, yeah, reeks of a Trent Baalke trade uh, type of trade, I guess. Although we've only had him for as a full-time general manager for a year and a half now. Um, so this is, I think, the first major in-season move that they've made but still just reeks of that, you know, type of trade 
um, I yeah. guess that he was known for in San Francisco and he and was all known that. for a lot of things in San Francisco and most of them things were not good. Um, yeah. They had the 10 year anniversary of the Super Bowl team. Jim Harbaugh was on a bye week from Michigan. A lot of the guys that played on that Super Bowl team were there and big time players, probably for the exception of the quarterback, um, largely because I'm sure Jed York doesn't want that that heat. Though when that quarterback is probably just as good as the current quarterback we have, that's a whole other point. But I also was thinking about this, Josh. I mean, before I figure we're going to start football here, we'll start. We're changing it up today. But um, you have Jamichael Hasty, the former 49er, on your roster. I think there. I'm not sure what your depth chart is. is so, so is there? Is uh, the depth chart right now is Travis Etienne after the James Robinson trade? Travis Etienne, and then uh, Jamichael Hasty, and then you got Snoop Connor, who hasn't even played in it. I don't even think he's played it down this season, or even you know been in the lineup. I think he's been a healthy scratch for all the games so far. So is the so I guess I ask you this as Jacksonville our Jacksonville uh, fan and knowledgeable uh, person here is the move with James Robinson pushed in part because they want to see the Snoop Connor. Is it that Jamichael hasty and Snoop Connor along in with ETN in a RBBC is their best option because they know that James Robinson isn't in their future plans or, I mean, I get it. It's a bad Uh, trade. It's a bad trade because you're not getting a hell of a lot of value, in my opinion. The Jets are going to run the ball, and it's going to be a balance, so they know that they're hedging. They're hedging on it becoming a fifth. But at the end of the day, are you going to find somebody who's going to do that kind of production in the fifth round? Are you going to find somebody that can produce on the field in the fifth round to replace that production? Generally speaking, that's not going to happen, nope. and especially with Trent Balky's track record of drafting two. But that's my question to you. What do you see in regards to the rest of your depth chart and running backs? I mean, I think it's just moved to purely to, uh, you know, show that or I guess give the RB1 role to uh, Travis Etienne. I don't think it really has to do with uh, any of the other running backs except for, well, Jamichael Hasty because they've been giving him a lot of carries uh, or significantly more carries than um, the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they started featuring him more than... Uh, Robinson and um, you know complimenting him with Etienne and Hasty's got a lot of speed and that's good and he's you know got kind of that same type of gear as uh, as Etienne does and everything and I like I, I like that it's just you know Etienne just um, has had ball protection issues um, pass protection issues all that stuff um, I mean I think it's really is that they didn't see a future with Robinson and uh, I guess beyond this season, and I guess they wanted to get more trade value uh, from him uh, while they could. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, only a fifth round pick and uh, or a sixth rounder that could be a fifth rounder if they could get 600 yards on the season. He's already at 340, so only needs 260 yards. Um, so that's plenty of plenty of time throughout the rest of the season as long as he stays healthy to achieve that, and that becomes a fifth rounder. But uh, the fifth rounder, I mean, you know. Day, day three pick, yeah, Balky has not been good at uh, day three picks so far. And, you know, most teams, you know, day three, uh, you know, not really good round. Most teams aren't really good at picking in the, the, you know, third day of the draft. But, you know, the Jaguars especially have not, you know, been great at that 
you know, either in, you know, this tenure, I mean, they had some pretty good steals and in, in late rounds with the previous manager Caldwell and, you know, bulky just hasn't quite, you know, had that, uh, hasn't had that, uh, ability yet. And I mean, I guess, you know, you were, you know, you're a San Francisco fan, you know, from prior years, from your experience that, you know, his late round picks were not great. Uh, if anything, um, most, of, most of his draft picks were not good. Cause he had a thing with drafting guys that were hurt and putting them on the, on the, on ice and thinking they'd come back. And the Niner current regime is dealing with that when they traded, uh, DeForest Buckner for a first round draft pick, which they used on, um, the fuck now I'm forgetting his name, the defensive tackle. Uh, give me a Buckner? second here. Yeah, not Buckner because they traded uh, him for to essentially draft this guy. Um, they, um, I mean, yeah, in Armstead they kept instead of Buckner too. That's another one that's that was just a terrible. I mean, I get that he's a good person, he's great in the area, but he's just not that good of a player. Um, and now that they don't have him, I mean, we're going to get into that in a few mi- in a minute here. Once we're done talking about the Jacksonville side, I know there's more for you to talk about since Jaguars ended up um, losing a close game to the New York Giants, which is crazy to say that the New York Giants are six, six and one. one. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, that's who. So it's a similar kind of pattern um, in a sense. I'm not sure based on the last couple of years how many of those injury guys he's drafted, but um, his his awareness and evaluation of talent is questionable. Um, it's I mean you're not going to question what they did number one last year and drafting his teammate wasn't a bad move either. Um, at the end of the day, they're both dynamic play players and they have tons of ability and potential. Now, whether that ever gets shown, we have, I guess, another couple of years, two and a half years to find out in regards, or maybe three and a half years to find out in regards to both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. But after that, yeah, you have some defensive guys you drafted this year, Devin Lloyd. Your defense has been really good. It's been pretty good for most weeks. It's just been, it's tough. You have to be able to close the deal. And, um, I mean, yesterday, going against a tough New York Giants team who just kind of grinds, um, it's asking a lot. You know, Daniel Jones has become a different person all of a sudden. He's become like somebody who went to QB camp with the Mannings. Oh, wait, that's right, he did. And um, he looked like a sieve, and now all of a sudden he looks like he's going to get franchise tagged along with Lamar Jackson, maybe a few other people at the quarterback position. But the it's not like, the Jaguars weren't that they were in that game. Every Giants game comes down. It's a one possession game. And that's where a lot of teams are. If you can't win those one possession games, you're might be looking for a job. If you win those one possession games, you make the playoffs, but there's no guarantee that you're going to last once you get there. Um, the Giants are in a very tough division. Three of the four teams in that division are, are winning records. The Washington Generals beat A.A. Ron. I'm about to name my team, um, one of my teams, A.A. Ron's Ayahuasca. Um, but um, the fact of the matter is, um, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday, um, now post that uh, pre-trade of James Robinson and what took place now that you're going to going to London for um, your your yearly London game? 
against Brett Rippin and the Denver Broncos, not Russell Wilson and his horrendous commercials. Yeah, I mean, this game, uh, you know, pre-trade, I mean, yeah, I mean, they played well for the most part. It's just um, key situations, the key downs that they, uh, you know, failed to execute on, you know, Travis or not Travis. Well, yeah. Travis Etienne fumbled in the red zone. And like I said earlier, that's a problem. Um, and that's why, you know, he's a, in my opinion, still just a complimentary piece. And that's answers your question of, you know, whether you trade Robinson or not is, um, I mean, the other guy still fumbles, um, and everything and, and, um, didn't even get touched either when he fumbled. He said he, um, I guess the ball hit his knee or, or his knee hit the ball and popped it out as he was getting tackled so um you know there's your answer there but um that happened and then uh travis or i keep saying travis but because they have the tr uh prefix to their name but uh, trevor went and uh missed uh zay jones on a uh a deep over route that could have gotten a touchdown and then you know they um had a uh second and five that uh with uh end around reverse with Christian Kirk in the fourth quarter that um, got stopped short for loss. People were um, complaining about the spot of the ball, kind of questionable, but um, the question about that was is um, the following downs, you know, third down, uh, third and one, they went with wildcat snap to Travis Etienne. And see, that's the wrong kind of play call in third and one. I mean, I don't really understand why you don't put um, Robinson in there or even the other running backs, uh, Hasty, uh, and, and, you know, line up heavy and and uh, hand it off like uh, with power, you know, behind behind your running back. And I don't, I don't understand that. And then uh, fourth and one, they go for a QB sneak. And, um, you know, they already did a QB sneak early, earlier in the game. Uh, with uh, Trevor Lawrence, and that wasn't really the move. I mean, doing it again like that, you know, if you do it with repetition, the other team's going to figure it out, and the Giants were ready for it that time after um, not stopping it earlier in the game. So, you know, and and then on top of that, you know, Doug Peterson had the opportunity to kick a field goal to go up seven, and instead, uh, you know, they go up, uh, turn it over on downs, and then uh, the Jets go in, or the Giants go in, uh, get a touchdown after that, and then, um, you know, flips the game uh, right there, that uh, that type of swing. And then, you know, from there, Jaguars um, uh, almost came away with the victory at the end um, with Christian Kirk, um, you know, getting stopped at the one-yard line. But, um, you know, another factor to bring into that is, um, you know, the Jaguars don't have a number one wide receiver, um, you know, they failed to achieve that this uh, past off season. Um, you know, they got a bunch of slot receivers and uh, possession guys and stuff like that, but they don't have the uh, big number one receiver that can you know really uh, test the boundaries and um, you know go up and get it uh, type of receiver. Um, and that's why if you watch the ending of that game, uh, they struggled to move the ball uh, and got a lot of help from penalties uh, there and. You know, if they had a number one receiver, it would have been a lot easier to, um, you know, be able to move the ball in a, uh, that kind of situation and, you know, be able to um, set up, you know, some opportunities in the red zone, which they've struggled your, this season. And, you know, that's another thing why you know, got to be critical of Balky right now is because, you know, uh, people gave him credit, you know, the first couple of games of the season because it looked like they were doing good. But, you know, now the um, we gotten past the kind of the uh, X's and O's part where, you know, everybody kind of schemes their way to wins. Now, you know, this part of, you know, season where it starts to the um, you know physical um, you know, traits of the team start to kind of take over. You know, 
um, Balky failed to get a wide receiver, uh, number one wide receiver, like I said, and you know spent a lot of money in that room that this off season. And then on top of that, uh, defensively they spent a lot of money there, and it, defense hasn't been as productive as it was at the beginning of the season. So um, you know there's a lot of a um, lot of uh, criticism that could go there, and you know how they uh, structured the team, uh, you know especially with uh, some of their you know depth in the cornerback position and then you know uh defensive tackle um not defensive end but defensive tackle they had issues um with depth there too and uh not a lot of <clears throat> not a lot of movement there too so you know just um this game this game is definitely uh you know one that they should have won um and just not not the way that it should have happened and they should have won that one. And now they have to go to London in a must win game. And, uh, you know, they're facing Russell Wilson, probably the worst offense in the NFL right now. Or maybe, maybe the NFL's at least worse. Not Russell yeah. Wilson, it's Brett yeah. Rippin because he's, uh, Russell Wilson's going to be out for a few oh. weeks with the hamstring. So he's out. Okay. So it's Brett Rippin. So it's not Russell Wilson, but it's still the Broncos, and they've not been productive at all. They are uh, one of the worst teams, and another guy that you had as your yeah. offensive coordinator is on I mean, the hot seat. Nate Hackett's on the hot seat, I and mean, at least he made Blake Bortles look good for one season. So, um, you know, you have that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just hasn't – Hackett just hasn't been good coach so far as, you know, failed to manage a lot of games, and, you know, they've uh, provided a lot of joke material and criticism – uh, on the internet, on Twitter. So, you know, you have that as well. So, uh, it's a, it is a must win game situation. What's essentially is an away game, you know, in front of, uh, England and everything. So, um, just not a good look. Uh, I mean, with the loss to the giants, but you know, they have opportunity to win against the Broncos, I guess, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the line and, and the Jaguars looks like they're a team that, you know, they really have to, um, you know, execute all the plays perfectly or else, um, you know, uh, they have a harder time being able to really uh, close out wins. And that's kind of been the difference so far as, you know, look at the Giants. They're, you know, they're not really good, I think, but, um, you know, they've been able to stick to the fundamentals and uh, stick to what works. Uh, and that's how they've been able to pull out uh, victories. Uh, whereas, you know, the Jaguars, even though they've had a lot of production um, in terms of yards and everything, um, they haven't been able to close it out because, you know, in key situations, they just either don't have quite the personnel or, you know, they overthink it. So that's going to be the storyline for the rest of the season is how can they, you know, figure out to overcome, you know, their shortcomings, I guess, and, um, you know, go back to what works. So we'll see, I guess. It's a long season. It's been quite crazy. And uh, the AFC side, of course, there are definite teams that are, um, elite teams. The AFC is the tougher conference of the two. I mean, you have Buffalo on the bye, and they look even better just sitting there. And they get to stay at home and play Aaron uh, at home on Sunday Night Football uh, this coming week. And so I can only imagine how that ugly that game could get um, with Josh Allen and company doing their thing. Um, Tennessee essentially has um take gotten back to life uh with a win against indianapolis to the point where they were hitting matt ryan so hard he had a shoulder sprain and he's gonna be out but in turn frank reich in a i guess a desperation slash owner move is benching matt ryan for sam ellinger 
for the rest of the season. And um, Nick Foles, he of the um, Philly special, he of the statue that is next to Lincoln Financial Field, uh, where across the street from Citizens Bank Park, where the Philadelphia Phillies will be trying to beat the Houston assholes in the World Series. I mean, there's there's a whole lot going on in the NFL. Uh, Jacksonville is not out of it by any stretch if they can get things together. Uh, but it's going to be tough even if you make it in uh, in terms of DAFC to actually be able to um, get past get past the likes of the Niners and or Niners. What I mean, the the Bills and and Kansas City. Um, they are so much better uh, than the rest of the teams. It's it's like a different world. Uh, the Niners got baptized by uh, a by Kermit the Frog, and um, it wasn't even close. Um, we had we get Christian McCaffrey, which was a huge boost, huge jolt to uh, this roster and to this team with everything that's been going on. And um, they come out and lay a fucking egg. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he of running out of the end zone a few weeks ago. Um, that's a, wow, is that a pick six? Or no, Bailey Zapp. Oh, they put Bailey Zappi in the game. And did he throw to, what the hell? Oh, so they pulled... Oh man, that's something. They pulled Mac Jones for Bailey Zappi, and he just threw a touchdown. Oh crap! To oh, he was short though, and it hit the ground. There's no way he had control. But um, <clears throat> the Niners got baptized on every aspect of the game. Uh, their offense sucked. They because Jimmy Garoppolo missed. Even when he didn't miss balls, then the guys that were supposed to make catches missed. Dropped them. Um, running game was okay. I think it'll be better this week um, with Christian McCaffrey getting a full week of practice. I mean, Brandon Ayuk did work, but Debo Samuel really didn't exist. GK on National Tight End Day had a great, great day. Dropped at least one ball he probably should have caught. The offensive line got completely smoked. Brent Williams coming back off of his injury looked a little rusty for being the OG on the offensive line. Uh, highest-ranked offensive lineman ever in the top 100. Um, Trent Williams wasn't that same guy. Mike McGlinchey is a fucking turnstile. And the right side of our offensive line is mediocre at best. Jimmy Garoppolo gave up a safety, fumbled the ball the next possession, and threw an interception. He threw an interception in the red zone in the first half when they could have went up 17-3, to I believe, or 17-10, to and... They, I mean, they were up ten nothing, and then they go. He throws this inexplicable ball, trying to throw it to Ray Ray McLeod off of his back foot in the end zone with two people there. When Jeff Wilson had came out of the flat and did an out and up, he could have literally thrown it there. He could have thrown it. He tried to, or he threw it to GK. His thing is he was trying to throw it to GK, and he completely whiffed, and he threw a pick, and then cocksucker Kermit the Frog drives down the field and they got points or whatever. I mean, it's it's just bad. I mean, they, they picked on uh, Mooney Ward, Shavarius Ward the whole day. It didn't matter who they put on him, whether it was Juju, whether it was MVS, whatever. Meek Hardman had a three-touchdown day all of a sudden. 
I mean, that's that's tells you. I mean, Travis Kelsey was actually quiet yesterday. So the point is they took Travis Kelsey away. Problem is all the wide receivers were wide open. Tafunga actually got an interception after coming back from concussion protocol early, but that was off a tip, tip ball. But then after that, the defense ceased to exist. Um, Nick Bosa probably got held a bunch. They didn't call it. Um, they were so close. There's a couple of third and longs, which is going to be like the third and long against the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be the the death of of the San Francisco 49ers and many teams because Kermit the Frog figures out a way to get out of it all the time. And um, guys that used to play for 49ers beat them too. So it was terrible in that sense. One of my fantasy teams is 11th out of 12. I have no luck. Um, I'm about to lose. I just changed my team name to Aaron's Ayahuasca. Um, and I'm about to lose the third place team. Last week, I scored 50. I mean, it's a very low scoring, very standard points league. Uh, no PPR, none of the other things, none of the, and I, I swear to God, I've never, I feel like I've never scored so few points in a, in a week in fantasy. I lost to a team that's 10th and I only scored 52 points. Um, lost the week before that was a close game. I beat the last place team. That's the last time I've won. Uh, and I scored 114 points, which was the most points or second most points that week. Um, I beat the second place team, which is crazy now. Um, oh, Drott Jr. Fuck him. Uh, so it's like been a rough time. I mean, plenty of time to go. Six teams make the playoffs in that league. So I'm not completely out of it, but it's not pretty. It looks very dumpster fire-ish uh, for me. I'm now two games out of a playoff spot there in my league. I had 63 points from Joe Burrow with the bonuses. I got the nine point bonus, nine points of bonus for Joe Burrow because he threw for 481. I got 3.4 points for every completion for the 34 completions he had. He had um, he rushed for 20 yards and a rush touchdown, four touchdowns. And because the team I'm playing, Steve has um, Patrick Mahomes and his wide receivers did something because both of my wide receivers, I'll tell you, Josh, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever seen where both of your wide receivers go for two receptions, 12 yards, and both get hurt and get eliminated out of the game. That's what I've never happened seen to me that before. Well, it happened to me. So um, it, I'm on Ross St. Brown got knocked out. Nobody knows where, when, or how. And then the Detroit lions ceased to exist. Um, after returning from whatever injury he had concussion, something he was on concussion protocol. Now, I don't know. It was some other injury. Um, then DK Metcalf hurt his knee or leg or something. Some he had some sort of leg injury against the LA chargers, Van Heim and all the other residing counties. And, um, I'm, I'm just going to add this here. I think it's 4.1. Yeah, I got 4.1 points from my wide receivers. So um, Christian Kirk is on Steve's team and he got 19. So I got he got 34.6. So I lost just right there. The 34. So I had 21 points on there and then I lost 30. So that's minus nine. I'm down 20. Uh. 22 right now because he has Ramondre Stevenson who even got a tackle. So I think that's helping his score. Cause when 
on a turnover, um, New England, um, the Ramondre Stevenson, I think on the interception and they just turned the ball over again, Chicago. Uh, so now it's getting to be a bit of a sweat while the Chicago bears are not doing anything. How is Dietrich wise not doing anything? Are you for, for real? What the fuck they have? They, they, they're turning the ball over, doing all this crap. He hasn't done any, Ugh, this is bullshit. This is such bullshit. And then Thornton hasn't, uh, I fucking hate the New England Patriots. It's garbage. I'm going to lose this game, but I'm, and I'm going to fall to seventh. I'll be behind Steve uh, now. I'll fall behind Steve. Josh, you've had a rough week this week, uh, losing your. Yeah, losing to Professor. Professor J, and you're going to end up being ninth in the dual standings um, after finishing ninth the week before, but winning. But uh, yeah. So, oh yeah, ninth uh, in terms of points this week. Points, yeah, ninth yeah. in terms of points. So I have to go through all that. But my goodness, this is fantasy football. Will make you wonder I mean, about the world. But I mean, it's, it's it's October. It's the hunt for red October, and um, you know Halloween's next Monday. So we we haven't even got to that yet, and it's already Jags spooking everybody. You know our fantasy teams just going out there shit in the bed. So here we are. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's it's great. Oh wow, yeah. So also, oh, oh man, Jeff's gonna lose because they benched Mac Jones. They really did bench him. That oh man, I have to look at it somewhere because uh, Jeff, who's right now leading the league, um, or at least was leading the league. Oh, he has Mac Jones in the super flex, and, um, and Wilson. Wilson had. Wilson doesn't even have a second quarterback because Kirk Cousins was off this week and he didn't trust, he did not trust Justin Fields. He also has Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall in one of the flex positions before he ended up tearing his ACL, and Kenneth Walker to the third for the Seattle Seahawks. So yeah, he has a lot of running back. Oh man. And he has Russell Wilson, which doesn't matter. He left Raheem Mostert on the bench, who had 27.9 points. So he has five, what is it? One, two, three, four, five running backs, six, because he has Gus Edwards. Okay, so I guess he has running backs, and he has Justin Jefferson. I'm assuming Wilson's going to win this league now, the way I look at his team. Now. Yeah, he might win, honestly. He's won it before. Um, now he's going to get to second, uh, but it's very close amongst, what is it? One, two, three, four of us. Um, even Manny's now kind of back in the mix. Vic getting a win, a couple wins in a row now, so he's back in the mix. Um, yeah, Bailey Zapp just threw a dime here to I don't know Parker. That's see, yeah, that's the type of throw you need to make. Yeah. I love, I love they spent a first round draft pick on Mac Jones, and now they benched him, and it's they got some guy from I don't know where the hell he came from, but well, at least um, they go and. And check out one thing. I'm going to check my sleeper fantasy team. Vic and I both co-manage, and we're going to win. We've already won, so that's good because Joe Burrow scored 50 points there. We have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he has a bunch of players playing, but they're going to need. He's going to need what 30, 40, 47 points from the combination of Jacoby and Myers, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, he has him, and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, James Robinson, I was about to drop him, but I can't drop him now because he's on the Jets. And Garrett Wilson, 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he seems to always get these rushing touchdowns. The point is he's a quarterback and he's not, he's not Lamar Jackson. So I don't know why he's getting I mean, rushing he's, touchdowns. He's got good rushing ability in the red zone, yeah. I guess, with so the zone read and QB sneak and uh, all that. But, I mean, he's not a type of, you know, quarterback like Lamar that can just spin out of the pocket and, and take off for, for 50 yards. Well, that isn't going to help because Ramondre Stevenson just scored a touchdown. And uh, what is it? Bailey Zappi, 4 for 4, 97 yards in the touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson has a touchdown. They're up 14 to 10, and that probably is the game because the Chicago Bears suck. Um, all right. So there's your football segment. We moved it out of uh, the the f- back of the show, and we moved it to the front of the show. Um, so let's move forward. From uh, from football, we also had plenty to talk about this week in terms of motorsports. Uh, NASCAR ran at Homestead this past weekend, Josh, and a guy who has dominated at Homestead for many years, Kyle Larson, was the winner of the Dixie Vodka 400. Tony was supposed to be the uh, Grand Marshal, but they um, they came up with some cockamamie reason. Uh, they're saying that because of his sponsor commitments to Dixie Vodka, which is interesting since if they're the presenting sponsor, I think they would want him to be out there. He's, his, he's won three races at Homestead, he won the first race ever at Homestead in 2000. He won the first or won the first two races at Homestead, and one of the greatest championships ever ended at Homestead with him winning and tying Carl Edwards, winning on a tiebreaker. I think that's why they wanted him as a. Uh, but NASCAR probably said no, we don't want him with an open mic, and that was a joke going around on social media. Um, Tony might have just said, "Hey, you know, find it, find a different guy." He could have said that too. He could have done anything. It's Tony Stewart. I, I get. I get it. I say that as a Tony Stewart diehard. So, um, but his team didn't really do a hell of a lot. Hendrick Motorsports did, though. Uh, Kyle Larson dominated the show. Um, it's not shocking to me after the qualifying um, when he he was up front. He qualified fastest in the first round, but didn't put a lap together in the second round. Uh, his teammate, um, pedophile lover Byron, uh, won the poll, former winner at Homestead. Um, but Kyle Larson won both stages, won, led the most laps, maximum points. He looked like the guy that won 10 races in the championship last year. And it's interesting since his teammates, or, or at least his one teammate, is scuffling. I mean, this wasn't a great day for the playoff drivers, to be fair, outside of Outside of Ross Chastain, um, even Denny Hamlin, there's only three playoff drivers because they count Kyle Larson with the owner's points, and he's in the championship. He'll be in the championship four, along with Joey Logano um, at at Phoenix for the the owner's championship. So there is a possibility where Hendrick could win both the drivers and owner's championship with two different drivers because now that's a possibility. Um, it was an interesting day, though, Josh, uh, uh, outside of Kyle Larson. A lot of uh, stuff went on with these playoff guys. Um, most, most of them struggled, finished outside of the top 10. 
And what is it? One, two, three, four, five of them, uh, seven or six of them outside of the top 10. And, um, but Kyle Larson dominated at a track where he has been very, very good his whole career. He finally got that elusive victory at Homestead. Yeah, Kyle Larson, you know, over over the years, you know, uh, we've seen what he's been able to do at Homestead and you know, how he's able to run the high line uh, so, you know, so close to the wall. Um, and there's been times where, you know, he had the race one and something happened or he just uh, hit the wall too much and, um, you know, something, uh, you know, caused him to not win. So, you know, finally, you know, was able to put it all together and win uh, here at, at Homestead and, um, just put on a master class and uh, of of a, a race, and you know you saw the first stage ending, um, you know over what ten seconds of a lead, uh, and the second stage had a big lead as well uh, at the end of that. So, um, just a thoroughly dominating performance uh, by Kyle Larson. You know the uh, third stage, you know he got a, a little bit behind, uh, you know, in the mid pack and, you know, had to fend off AJ Allmendinger for a couple spots. Um, you know, then went up and, uh, was able to pass, uh, for second against, um, against Ross Chastain and then was able to challenge Martin Truex Jr. for the lead. And then, uh, ended up, I guess they accidentally got in together in, in the pits. Uh, although I, I think that's, a uh, you know, I think Truex had begun to miss his pit and then had to suddenly slow down and then Larson kind of ran into him there. So more of an incidental contact. I don't think, you know, nobody's going to intentionally wreck yeah, anybody. Kind of, yeah. No. Kind of. He was, he was all the way through him and he was checking his, he was checking his temperature anally. Yeah. That's how hard he hit him. Yeah. I mean, especially with these cars and everything, you know, the stiff bumpers, but, um, you know, Larson, you know, was able to get it done. So, um, you know, finally gets his homestead win. Um, and, um, you know, everybody, you know, back when Larson first made the playoffs, they're like, watch out for him. You know, if they get to Homestead because he's going to be good there. And, you know, now they moved it to uh, the final race to Phoenix and they, you know, moved Homestead around and everything. And, you know, Homestead now in the playoffs now, you know, finally Kyle Larson goes to track. He's really good at and locks himself into the owner's championship, not the driver's championship. So, uh that happened of course and um it's going to be an interesting scenario with the split championship or you know the possibility at least and obviously kyle larson's the defending driver's champion and i guess defending owner's champion as well for the five team but um you know uh has a chance to go you know essentially defend the the owner's part of the championship this year and you know could could very well do that and we've seen you know we've seen how the uh, top four drivers have performed at Phoenix uh, over the years and, you know, expect you know, add with, another one now. Yeah. Add a, a fifth guy or a fourth guy, depending on what you're looking at uh, to be, um, you know, in that mix. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I guess a five-way battle for the owners or, well, combined five-way battle for the uh, points championships, I guess. Now <laughs> we have to give a, a duality or a plurality to it. So it's an interesting scenario there. Yeah, it's something that we see in the trucks in Xfinity more often over the years. Uh, but well, now in the Cup Xfinity. Series, yeah, but I mean, definitely, you know, the Gibbs and Roush, Roush, Gibbs, Penske, um, you know, over the years that, that has happened in uh, Xfinity and the truck series with Kyle Busch Motorsports versus the Drivers' Championship. Um I mean, now that's not really the case with um, the uh, final four uh, because of 
I don't think so. I'll have to go and look at that here. But yeah, I mean, um, I think a couple other points we have to look at. Uh, Chase Briscoe ends up hitting the fence um, early and midway through the race. His car is dog shit, uh, which is no shock. Um, considering Stuart Haas can't make a good car for anybody that isn't Kevin Harvick. Um, and his crew chief is sitting at home, no less. Um, so now he's in a must-win scenario. Christopher Bell started up front, on the front row, finished 11th, wasn't enough. It's in a do-or-die situation for him, too. Uh, both of those guys go into homes, or Martinsville um, needing a win. Ryan Blaney is minus 18 which isn't insurmountable. It isn't impossible, uh, but he's probably in in a you know uh, limbo. Denny Hamlin has one at Homestead. Or, uh, fucking home. He's won at Martinsville many times before. He's Virginia guy, short track guy. He is somebody who can win in this spot. Uh, the points going into. Next week, of course, Logano's in after finishing 18th, but he still won. Uh, he won last week to lock himself in to uh, the Phoenix finale. And um, Ross Chastain's plus 19. Chase Elliott is plus 11. William Byron has five points ahead of Denny Hamlin. So Chase Elliott has not had a great playoff. He got lucky, won Talladega. His playoff has been pretty mediocre. Um, it's proof positive to the regular season format of winning stages and winning races and getting the playoff points because if it wasn't for all that, you look at how many playoff points he brings to the table here. Um, if he didn't have that, I mean, Chase Elliott would be in deep trouble. Um, you know, he has 46 playoff points, and the current uh, situation is he's he is plus he is plus the what is it 20 and 13 yeah 24 he's plus 24 or not even plus 24 i mean he's plus 11 over denny hamlin uh who had only 13 playoff points so that's 20 33 yeah he has he has 11 on Denny Hamlin and he is plus or he is plus 33 over the regular season. So it kind of gives credence to actually performing well in the regular season. Um, especially in a year as crazy as this year has been where being able to go and, um, have those points, he needed them because he has not performed well during this playoff at all. I mean, Clyde only finished 14th yesterday. You're going into, you know, the, the it, just in general, he has he has not been great. Um, Vegas was one of his worst performances he's had all year, and he they they've already put it out there. It's one of his worst racetracks. Uh, he had issues at Texas. Um, you know, you're talking about the round of sixteen. He had issues the whole entire round of sixteen, uh, where three non-playoff drivers won. He had issues at Texas, where another non-playoff driver won, backdoored the win at Talladega, had issues at the Roval, issues, issues. He might still, and here's the reality, he still could go out there in Martinsville, we'll talk about that later in the preview, um, and win. Might win the next two races. He's done it before. That's how he won his championship a couple of years ago. But what's to say that he's running well enough to do that? 
Um, we're not seeing that. William Byron, whatever. I don't think he really belongs. He's done enough, but the, it, this is this Martinsville race, considering how bad it's probably going to be with how cold it's going to be and lack of passing, the strategy and who makes the right calls is really going to play a role. Um, track position is going to be key. There might be a lot of destruction, and that's entirely possible. There might be it might be a demo derby uh, because the truck series isn't there and Arc ain't there, so they need a demo derby. Um, I feel like there might be two demo derbies this weekend, both in Xfinity and and Cup, but that's the only way things are going to change. Hendrick is in a position where they can possibly win both titles uh, and make something happen. I guess the Bears scored a touchdown. Um, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, the one I wanted to, I mean, I was talking about how, uh, we talked about the point. So I brought that up. Uh, the one thing I want to bring up before we move on or a couple things I want to bring up before we move on. I mean, 2311 having two fill in drivers, they both qualified really well, but kind of proves a point to some people that maybe the guys that they have running for them regularly aren't so bad. Um, of course, Kurt Busch is not going to be racing a car anytime soon, at least not this year. And uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. was sitting at home due to his suspension. So the narrative about how bad it went for Kyle Larson, it fit for those people going and winning at Homestead. But um, his car was fast, but it ended up in the fence. And John Hunter Nemechek, uh, all respect to him and his ability, wasn't able to bring that thing home in a decent position, just like Ty Gibbs has not been able to bring the 45 car home in a decent position for, I don't know how many weeks. Um, it's been a long time since Ty Gibbs actually looked decent in that car and it's convenient and a convenient narrative knowing that he's going to be taking over Kyle Busch's car, the car that has been driven by Bobby Labonte, NASCAR hall of famer and Kyle Busch who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, too. Uh, the flagship car of Joe Gibbs Racing, um, and Ty Gibbs is basically having the same kind of deal as Austin Dillon. I mean, it, it may be unfair to go and put him in the same boat as Austin Dillon, but nepotism is the reason why Ty Gibbs never drove a truck for, for Kyle Busch Motorsports. It's a reason why he's going to end up taking over Kyle Busch's ride. And they justified it based on sponsorship and money and whatever. Kyle Busch was put Joe Gibbs to another level. I mean, Tony Stewart and Bobby Labonte, Bobby Labonte, Tony Stewart put them to a level. And then Kyle Busch going there while Toyota came in, put them into another level. And I don't, I'm not a Kyle Busch guy, but you don't get rid of people like that. You know, that, and you're getting rid of him for Ty Gibbs. And you know Martin Truex is leaving, and Denny Hamlin has got a team, and he's got investment in the sport. So what's stopping him from going and telling FedEx, hey, I want to go and drive for my own team? What the hell is going to happen to Joe Gibbs Racing? Um, so Darrell Wallace Jr. was sitting at home, and that team didn't really do much anything. Um, but A.J. Allmendinger, that's the one thing I want to ask you, Josh. A.J. Allmendinger, in the Xfinity series, it's kind of tight for him to possibly, which we're going to get to in a minute, but... He is on six consecutive top 10 finishes in the Cup Series in the race, six consecutive top 10 finishes. And he is going to be um, driving full-time next year. We've mentioned it on this show that 
he if he was in that car all year, they would have made the playoffs. And this is proof positive. He had a chance to win this race. He got in a race with Ross Chastain, a former teammate of his, late, couldn't clear him. He kind of probably laid over for Chastain, knowing that Chastain's in the final eight. But AJ Allmendinger, man, that's crazy. To be a non, to be a a, a uh, part timer in the Cup Series this year and doing what he has done with the college racing team, it kind of goes and shows what this next gen car has brought to the table. But it also shows AJ Allmendinger, I think, is ready for a champion at least to be able to get into the playoffs next year. Yeah, definitely. I think you know they showed a lot of speed this weekend at Homestead and. Uh, you know, Almendinger, you know, is up front challenging for uh, top five. And, um, you know, it showed a, a lot of speed uh, this weekend. And, you know, he could have could have been a dark horse contender for the win, um, you know, had things played out in their favor. But uh, he's finished, and like you said, six top tens in a row. But I think you also have to preface that by, you know, um, saying that, that three of those were at road courses, you know, the Indianapolis GP, uh, Watkins Glen, and then the Charlotte Roval. But those other tracks are Homestead, Las Vegas, and Bristol. So he's been able to be um, pretty diverse in where he's gotten his top fives and uh, top tens at uh, this season. So uh, in the last six races or last uh, his last six uh, starts here in the Cup Series. So, um, you know, the 16 car, they've, they've run uh, up front, um, when you know when they or at least you know ran uh, contending for top tens uh, where they can this season and you know possibly you know could have done a whole lot better if Almendinger was the the guy the whole year the whole way but uh, we'll find out next year you know what he looks like as a full time driver once again um, but a really good job the last uh, six starts for Almendinger I think. Um, I uh, yeah I I think you know colleague you know they they had a lot of good runs this year you know Justin Haley uh, has been running well as of late surprisingly you know they haven't really done a whole lot with him this year but you know it seems like maybe the last couple of weeks he started to uh, put it together and and make a little bit of noise but you know he um, he could be a, a dark horse candidate next year as well along with Allmendinger uh, to possibly make the playoffs you know if if he's able to close in a win or just you know. Um, improve on uh you know finishing in the top 10 uh more often and maybe be a you know guy that could you know possibly uh you know be one of those wild cards i guess that doesn't make the playoffs but finishes you know like within that 17th uh place to 20th place in the point standings next year that that could be the type of season for him um but you know i, I go back to the 45 car real quick you know with Bubba Wallace obviously out of the out of the car this week, but um, John Andrew did qualify uh, pretty good this weekend, and you know he, he qualified in the top ten. He was fast yeah. in practice. Yeah, he was fast in practice, qualified in fourth, and he was running in the top ten uh, for good amount of uh, the race. But then you know he spun out um, off of turn two, and um, you know fell a lap down after that, and couldn't make it back up. So um, yeah, I mean. Uh, still shows that the 45 has a lot of speed no matter who you put in it. I think, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, John Hunter Nemechek in his chance to, um, you know, be in the cup series, he had a, a lot of uh, opportunity, um, you know, in 2020, but now this is a first real opportunity in a good ride. And um, he definitely was impressive for what he's able to do up until his spin um, ran 
ran pretty well, I think, uh, considering the circumstances and everything. So, um, you know, good, good for that team, I guess. And, um, yeah, I think, um, other teams you want to talk about, um, the six car, I think, you know, we, we didn't even bring up Brad, but, you know, Brad finished yeah, in fifth go through the results and yeah. Brad had his first top five of the year. Yeah. So first top five of the year for Brad Keselowski, Austin Dillon, um, came from 32nd to fourth, uh, in this race. So, um, you know, he's, hasn't been that well, even though he made the playoffs and everything, um, hasn't really finished all that well this season and he goes and gets a top five, uh, you know, Brad of course, uh, had, had good speed throughout the race and, you know, managed to, uh, bring it home in top five and, uh, Chris Buescher in 13th. So, um, pretty decent weekend for the Roush cars as well. Maybe, maybe a preview for next year, potentially, you know, if, um, the six car, especially, I think, I think we'll see Christopher Buescher in the, uh, playoffs next year. I think he, uh, he can get in. He's shown, that he's got the ability to do it. But I think Brad next year, I think we're going to see a a lot more of him uh, running uh, a lot more competitively uh, than what he did this year. So um, yeah, this is definitely a race that had a lot of ups and downs, even though, even though like from a, I guess a caution standpoint, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot that happened other than, um, you know, the 45, the 12, and then the eight car all had, all had accidents or spins and the 14 also had damage uh, that took him out of the race. But, um, you know, for uh, volatility and strategy, it's still this car, you know, especially on mile and a half, shows that it has the ability to produce uh, a lot of uh, variance in the results. Yeah, it's definitely the case. I mean, it wasn't the most exciting race, but there's more variability here um, with Xfinity, or I mean, with the Cup Series. Uh, with this new car, I'll just get into the results before we move on to Xfinity, which is also basically a uh, runaway. Larson, Chastain, Almendinger, Dylan, Brad Keselowski, your top five. Martin Truex was leading before that final pit stop got moved because he missed his pit stall, whatever. Larson got into him, whatever. Uh, finished sixth, came all the way back. Hamlin seventh, which could be key. Honestly, he passed Denny Hamlin um, and didn't lay over there, and which we're going to get into in terms of teammates and helping each other. Um, that one point could be key. Uh, Denny Hamlin seventh, Kevin Harvick eighth, Kyle Busch ninth, Daniel Suarez tenth, uh, William or Christopher Bell, William Byron eleventh and twelfth. Chris Busher, Christopher Busher, he's going back to Chris, but. I think a lot of us are just going to start calling him Christopher because of Dale Jr. 13th, Chris, Chase Elliott, William Clyde Elliott, the second, 14th, uh, Ryan Blaney, 17th, Joey Logano, 18th, um, John Hunter started fourth, finished 27th, lap down. Haley ran better earlier, and his, this is the worst finish he's had in a while, finished 28th, and um, Eric Jones had a rough day. Uh, Tyler Reddick wrecked late, hit the hit a opening in the wall or hit a place where there was an opening and destroyed the front end of his Chevy while he was running in the top ten. Chase Briscoe finished dead last, so um, he's going to need a win. Christopher Bell's going to need a win, and it's kind of borderline whether Ryan Blaney he might need a win as well. Xfinity Series race at uh, Homestead. It was Noah Gagson, uh, eighth win of the season for him. K- 
contender boats 300 uh, winner so now two junior motorsports drivers are locked into the uh, championship he has more playoff points by any than anybody uh, right now his um, the point you have to go to the point so right now he's in Josh Berry's in Ty Gibbs is plus 30 over the cut AJ Allmendinger is plus five over Justin Allgaier. There's a possibility where, um, there, there, I mean, it's entirely possible where um, it could be an all junior motorsports final four. If, say, Sam Mayer goes and wins his first career race and Justin Allgaier outscores AJ Allmendinger, it could be an all junior motorsports final four at Phoenix which would be interesting for Dale Jr. to handle as an um, announcer. But in in uh, terms of uh, what things are going, I mean, Ty Gibbs, uh, it would, it, he would need, it would need to be pretty crazy uh, for Ty Gibbs to fall out of this playoff. But, hey, you know, Chris, stranger things have happened. Uh, he's plus 30, A. Jominger plus 5. Overall, Geyer, Austin Hill, uh is minus seven off the cut line, uh, which is AJ Allmendinger. Um, Mayor and Jones need to win. Jones, of course, won at Hopes or uh, Martinsville. I keep on saying Homestead at Martinsville earlier this year. But in terms of Gagson, he led, he won both stages, uh, one uh, led 127 laps, maximizes points. Uh, Second most laps led was Trevor Bain with 46, who qualified on pole. Austin Hill was third most laps led, finished ninth. Most of the, a lot of the playoff guys were right in the mix in the top 11. The only, uh, I mean, Josh Berry finished 11th. Brandon Jones finished 15th. Otherwise, every person that's still got some sort of playoff involvement finished in the top 10. Gregson, Gibbs, Almendinger, Hemrick. Mayor, the top five, Bain, Chandler Smith driving the Sam Hunt 26, finished seventh. Riley Herbst was involved in an early wreck, came back for eighth. Austin Hill, Justin Allgaier. Gregson, eighth win. I mean, honestly, he's a favorite to win this championship. Uh, if Gibbs goes out there and wins at Martinsville, I guess it'll be between those two guys, and hopefully they destroy each other, and then it'll be a much more interesting battle. And maybe Josh Berry and Justin Allgaier can battle for it, but um, Gregson gets another win there at Homestead at a track that's kind of owed him one, too. Um, he's been in a championship four in the truck series there. Uh, he's given away races there in the Xfinity series, but he did what he had to do on Saturday. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Noah Gregson goes out and wins and yeah, locks himself into the championship for championship four. And um, I mean, think for everybody else i mean that was pretty pretty obvious i think that he earned well i mean uh not obvious but i mean it was a uh good good chance that he would win um you know he's been successful there in the past but hadn't closed the deal kind of like kind of like larson in a way but um you know no gregson goes out and wins that one um i think you know i think for the rest of the playoff field um you know there's still a possibility of aj allmendinger not making it in uh into the playoffs but or, you know, into the championship four, but uh, it's going to be a tough deal, especially, you know, this weekend at, at Martinsville, um, you know, Almondinger has been pretty good there too, but, you know, Justin Allgaier has also been pretty good at Martinsville as well over the years since they've, you know, brought, brought in this format. And, 
uh, gotta say it, you know, I think, uh, for the seven, you know, he's going to have to go out and win the race, I think, to make it in. Um, I think AJ can win all, as well, but I think it's, um, you know, going to be a lot harder for the seven to make it in, uh, than the 16. Uh, I think Ty Gibbs could also have an opportunity. He was good at this track back in the spring, back in April, but, you know, at the same time, um, he doesn't really need to win, just needs to, you know, take what he can get and finish, uh, the race. But, you know, uh, I think, um, it's a lot harder to see him follow the playoffs also, because, you know, obviously he's, um, got 30 points to the cut line, uh, and would take a major catastrophic failure, I think, for him to uh, fall out of it. Um, you know, think the rest of the field, you know, Austin Hill, Sam Mayer, you know, Sam Mayer, I think you know, he was also done well at Martinsville, but uh, at the same time, um, it's a lot harder for him to get in and they'd have to take more shots. So, um, yeah, I think it's likely that this is going to be your championship four with the 954, 16, and then the eight car um, to decide it in Phoenix. But, um, you know, as far as uh, Homestead goes, um, and Gregson, you know, put on a clinic as well, um, and you know had a final restart there at the end of the race. You know, very, uh, very close racing with you know five laps to go. Uh, you know, that kind of kind of gave a chance for everybody else to kind of get back into it. Um, you know, Gibbs, Gibbs and Almendinger both could have had chances, I guess, to win, uh, but you know they just didn't have the pace that. Uh, Ty Gibb or that Noah Gregson did so um, yeah this this race uh, you know not a whole lot happened but you know I think the you know the best team at the end of the day won and now we're going to see Gregson uh, have an opportunity to go win the championship here uh, in uh, Phoenix and um, you know he's already won there in the past obviously back in April um, or in, in March so uh, you know there's a possibility that we see a Noah Gregson win the championship this year and um, you know, it's going to be hard to bet against him, I think, um, you know, especially with, you know, how the way he's been this year with uh, Junior Motorsports. But, you know, we'll have to see, you know, what happens, um, you know, next week at Martinsville. Um, obviously, you still want to keep the momentum up and not not lose any of it, even if uh, you're already locked in. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend at Martinsville. And once we get the field uh, locked in and ready for uh, Phoenix uh in the following week after. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I, I figure like you said that all has to win and you think all guy or Almendinger is going to make it. I feel like it's the other way around. I feel like Almendinger has to win and that all is going to make it in. So it's going to be interesting. There's actually going to be racing in that Xfinity race. There'll be a lot of carnage, but there's gonna be a lot of racing in that race. Gibbs is really good there. And um, it gives the advantage to Ty Gibbs. Uh, I kind of have this feeling that Ty Gibbs is going to go and run one out. And unless like Noah Gregson runs through him to eliminate him from the playoffs, because that's his biggest competitor. Uh, I think Ty Gibbs goes and wins there. But we'll talk about that later. I guess I've already made my pick for who I think is going to win the race on Saturday. But um, truck series race, there's a bit of controversy, Josh, um, in the... Uh, contender boats 200 in the truck series or baptist health 200 or contender boats 300 was the xfinity race my fault i'm mixing up my sponsors i'm not even that drunk jesus um ty majeski gets a second win of this round uh baptist health 200 winner and um the uh 
and he goes and gives himself a chance to win his first truck series championship. There was a tweet earlier today about the guys who drove that uh, 60 car in the Xfinity series a few years ago when they wrecked every single week. There's a chance that Ty Majeski could be a truck series champion in a few weeks time. Austin Sindrick is an Xfinity champion almost a two-time Xfinity champion, going to be the Cup Series Rookie of the Year after winning the Daytona 500. Uh, Chase Briscoe won nine races in the Xfinity Series a couple, but two years ago, um, won Rookie of the Year last year, is going to finish somewhere decent points-wise, whether he makes the Final Four or not, um, as there's Diwali fireworks going off um, around me here. But... The fireworks were at the race. On there wasn't a whole lot of action, honestly. Three people led. I mean, it was a very boring race. <laughs> it's funny they talk about how great the racing is at Homestead, but to be fair, if you hit the setup at Homestead, just like most one and a half mile racetracks, you're going to get away. And when you don't have horsepower, or you just have a car that's that much better a truck. Um, you're not going to be able to fight it off. Majeski. Started from 18th, um, didn't win either stage, but is in the top five of both stages. Zane Smith won the second stage. Ben Rhodes won the first stage, starting in second. Ryan Priest started on pole. He's somebody that there's a lot of intrigue about. Um, but yeah, Majeski, Zane Smith, Stuart Friesen, Ryan Priest, Corey Heim, your top five. Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, Matt Crafton, Parker Kligerman, Chandler Smith, your top 10. N Finger, 14th. John Hunter Nemechek uh, made a mistake at the fence, finished 35th. And what likely will be his next to last truck series race before getting a call to drive in Xfinity. Now, whether he's driving a Gibbs car next year or driving the 26th full-time, that's to be determined. But Toyota reiterated their support for JHN. Um, his truck series performance this year has been underwhelming, going and basically choking away um, an opportunity to win a championship this year. But Chandler Smith, along with Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, and Ben Rhodes, so four Toyotas, or three Toyotas and a Ford, will be in the final four at Phoenix, Josh. But I think the bigger story is what happened with uh, Ty Majeski's teammate, Ben Rhodes, the former series champion, defending series champion, actually, um, getting help from his teammates, Christian Eckes and Matt Crafton, late in the race when he had lost a handle and wasn't running as well. And there was there was rumors or thoughts of race manipulation, which when you look at what happened to Stuart Haas and they threw the book at um, SHR for that a few weeks ago, I'm curious uh, what we're going to see in regards to that now that we've determined the Final Four. They're not going to go and change the Final Four, I don't think, uh, but there's a strong possibility that Door Sport played the team game and laid back to help Ben Rhodes make the Final Four over Stewball, who, at the end of the day, karma has to catch up to that cocksucker eventually, and this is maybe one example of that. Um, I was Joe, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you could have ran Lane Riggs. Lane Riggs has driven better with your equipment than he has with his equipment than he has. And that's one of his better runs of the year. 
if you put lane rigs in that thing, it could have been the whole, been like Brendan gone when he got run over by Marty Houston. You could have had that happen. Then all of a sudden you'd have, you'd have been in the final four. Why didn't you go and run an extra truck? If you were, if you're being mad about it now, you know that it was a possibility beforehand. You could have had lane rigs. You could have had Todd Bodine, but Todd Bodine's fat and old and not that competitive. But what are your thoughts on that specifically? And also to Ty Majeski, um, proving once again what kind of driver he has been, especially in the super late model category. But now one race away, possibly from being a truck series champion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, anytime you have a, a team try to manipulate the race in some way or just um, give a favorable situation to one of their drivers, there's always, you know, going to be a lot of controversy and, um, you know, maybe Ben Broadsley benefited it, you know, from from that situation, and he was able to, you know, make it into the the final four. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, you don't really want to see that type of thing. And um, you know, I guess maybe the contrast to that, you know, with the Cup Series incident with Cole Custer is, you know, at least Custer. Um, I guess you know there was a greater difference in speed when Custer did it versus what you saw there. Um, and you, know, you could argue that um, the Thor Sport trucks were, you know, going 100% to their ability at that time, maybe. But um, if you want to use the 100% rule uh, in NASCAR, but, you know, maybe maybe they're really going 80%, but they made it look like they're going 100% for what they were able to do. I mean, um, there's ways to make it look like you're not manipulating anything, but it certainly does look questionable um, uh, for sure, especially in it. Um, you know, not only is it just to make the playoffs, but it's also to make the final round. And, you know, um, you have to also consider, uh, could this happen again uh, in a couple of weeks here at, at Phoenix? Uh, you know, could we see um, some type of situation like that where um, it doesn't have to be at the end of the race, but maybe there there's a key situation where, oh, driver, uh, let's say, let's just say Ben Rhodes falls or is about to fall lap down and, you know, conveniently, uh you know, one of the, his teammates decides to hit the wall or something and cause a caution. Um, is that considered race manipulation? You know, something like that. So just, you know, giving different scenarios here uh, for, you know, what what could happen. But, um, you know, I guess guess they got away with it. And, you know, NASCAR did not feel the need or hasn't felt the need yet to, you know, deliver any punishment of any anything. So we'll see if, uh, if that happens. But, uh, you know, this yeah nothing nothing really happened in this race uh you know but uh i guess yeah the final four set and you know time majeski you know he's he's been around for a couple years now and in uh the late models you know was in the 60 car a couple years ago with cindric and briscoe and now yeah it's funny now all three of those guys are gonna have a chance to fight for a championship of course you know uh, cindric won the championship in Xfinity in 2020. Briscoe uh, was, you know, part of that uh, championship fight in 2020. You know, now Majeski is going to have his chance to get a title in NASCAR in the big three uh, series here at, at uh, Phoenix in the trucks. So, you know, there's, uh, at the end of the day, those three drivers have all had, you know, you know, they've all had opportunities to win championships and, you know, they possibly are, all three of them are championship material drivers. And, you know, for Majeski, you know, um, until this year, he wasn't really sure how well he was actually doing in NASCAR uh, in the truck series and you know, felt like maybe he hadn't made the progress they had made in relative, you know, experience to, uh, 
his uh, teammates in that 60 car. So, uh, you know, this year, a uh, big turnaround and, you know, finally getting that first win at, in the playoffs and then now getting his uh, second career win here at Homestead and then now having the possibility to um, go out as a championship, uh, you know, that that's uh, pretty exciting for that team and, you know, definitely shows the improvements that he's made uh you know, in his Cup Series career, or, well, not Cup Series, well, eventually it could be Cup Series, but, you know, in his Truck Series career here. So, uh, you know, interesting to see uh, what will happen uh, as the Truck Series goes to Phoenix and, you know, we decide uh, who's the championship, uh, you know, who's going to win the championship here in this series. Yeah, and when you look at the Final Four, you have Chandler Smith, who's going to go to Chevy, uh, go to um, Colleague next year, taking over AJ Allmendinger in the 16 Xfinity car and you you have uh, zane smith who is essentially ford's only prospect uh, at the moment and um they're gonna try to keep him in the fold at front row motorsports uh he's gonna run trucks he's gonna also run limited xfinity races there might be other people involved in that whole deal uh, based on the whole ryan priest um cole custard deal um he's gonna run the daytona 500 or at least attempt to make the Daytona 500, probably run limited cup races. My feeling is he's going to end up taking over the 34 ride at the end of for 2024. Um, Michael McDowell without Blake Harris is going to go back to being Michael McDowell. Um, Blake Harris is one of the best people in the garage and he's grown from being, you know, coming from the bottom to now he's going to be, crew chiefing the 48 car next year. So we're going to finally see if Alex Bowman um, has it uh, because Blake Harris is a really good, uh, you know, you know, chassis guy, uh, suspension guy, engineer, uh, help Martin Truex in his, at his best. And uh, now we'll see what happens with that. But I think for Thor sport to have two of the four uh, drivers in the, in the final four, after the way this season has been is pretty crazy uh, to get all um, or yeah, all four into the drivers playoffs uh, was, is really good. I mean, uh, DGR got and Kyle Busch got their um, trucks that were their star trucks into the playoffs, which knocked out Matt Crafton, but um, and Grant and finger, but the reality of the world is, uh, Enfinger came through. He won one race. Crafton had a rough year. There's a lot of things they're going to have to go over. Um, essentially, three of those trucks, I think, are already spoken for for next year. I would assume no matter what happens, Majeski is going to be back next year. He is an employee of Thorsport Racing. Uh, he was working in the shop before uh, he got to drive. And um, Ben Rhodes, defending series champion, he's been in the truck series for a while. Uh, I doubt they're going to get rid of him because he gets money. Crafton, uh, the Menard family and him have great relationships, so I figure, and and the Thorson, so I figure he ain't going away anytime soon until he decides to, um, trying to take over for a two-time series champion. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, for a guy who's driven for that organization for better part of 20 years, too. Um, the question probably would be with the 98 truck with Christian Eckes because of the funding and all that, but that's something that's for the offseason. We probably won't know for sure 
until next year, uh, sometime late January, um, when how all that comes off. I mean, the truck series is gonna not is gonna be a lot different uh, next year uh, in the sense that um, I think for what GMS they're probably gonna have Daniel die in one of their their trucks next year instead of uh, that loser who wrecked every week with Jack Wood, and he sucks. Um, maybe Jack Wood goes to Kyle Busch Motorsports with the money he brings to the table. Um, Chase Purdy already is out. I think Tanner Gray is probably going back to NHRA, personally. Um, Corey Himes is going to be in the truck series next year full-time, and he's won twice. Uh, Ankrum, whatever. Hosevar's got a lot of heat because um, blocking moron Brett Griffin hates him. So I wonder what's going to happen with Nice now that Chevy um, has Kyle Busch and uh, GMS. Nice would end up becoming the third team there. Would they go and make a deal with Ford? Would they make a deal um, with Toyota um, now that DGR is their lead team? Something to look at. Um, but we'll get into truck series here in a couple weeks uh, and what happens with that uh, with, the, with the championship since... The drivers and owners championship is the same in the uh, truck series uh, leading up to Phoenix. Um, the U.S. Grand Prix saw Max Verstappen uh, become uh, tie or go and tie uh, Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel with 13 wins in a season. Um, Schumacher did in 18 races. Vettel did in 19 races. So did Max Verstappen. Uh, he had a bad pit stop. His second pit stop wasn't so good, uh, but his car is a rocket ship because they cheat, and um, he was able to go and pass Lewis Hamilton with five laps to go and gap Lewis Hamilton by the end and win by over five seconds. Uh, he won by five point, what is it, five point, yeah, just over five seconds, 5.023 seconds. At the end, because Lewis Hamilton's rear tires were shot, um, Charles Leclerc finished third. Who he had in it? He had a grid penalty. Uh, Sergio Perez had a grid penalty, but he came up to fourth. And George Russell rounded out the top five. Lando Norris was sixth. Sebastian Vettel seventh in a great battle with Kevin Magnussen. Yuki Tsunoda eighth. Esteban Ocon ninth. Or, I mean, or Kevin Magnuson 8th, Yuki Zanon 9th, Esteban Ocon 10th. Uh, Fernando Alonso finished finished 7th on the road and uh, got penalized 30 seconds with because of damage, uh, because of a protest by Haas regarding the damage he suffered after almost having an airplane crash on the back straightaway and hitting an opening in the guardrail. I'm going over his future teammate Lance Stroll's right or left rear corner because Lance Stroll made a terrible decision to block. Um, he had debris coming off his car. Uh, mirror fell off. They didn't say anything. Uh, Red Bull Sergio Perez had a winglet coming off of his car. They didn't do anything to him. But Kevin Magnuson, in at least three occasions, has had to uh, pit for the whatever I think they called that the meatball flag, the orange flag, orange circle, 
on the black background because of unsafe um, driving around with unsafe parts flying around while you got a Red Bull doing that and an Alpine and they didn't make the same call. So um, Gunther Steiner uh, and company put in that protest, which led to the 30 second penalty for for, um, Fred Alonso. But um, Verstappen wins, uh, had to face a little bit of adversity uh, in that race and um, had issues after he pitted there. So, yeah, 30, what is it? I don't know what that, I'm trying to see, said time. Yeah, so his first pit stop, just to, his first pit stop was 23 total from in to out, uh, was 23.86 seconds. His second pit stop, because of the issues they had, was 32.254. So nine seconds slower, but in the end, the guy for, I mean, credibility-wise in regards to how legitimate his championships are. Uh, they have the best car. He's been the best driver this year. Uh, outside of one race for Sergio Perez, he's won every race since, um, I think, what is it, since the French Grand or since the British Grand Prix. And he's going to do this for a while, Josh. And um, if you like him, God bless you. He's a He's a cocksucker, but he's a really good race car driver, and his team's full of cocksuckers. But in a, in a weekend where Dietrich Matisich, Matisitz, whatever, um, passed away, the guy who made Red Bull and got him into motorsport, it's kind of poetic that he goes and wins this race coming back. They win the Constructors' Championship for the first time in nine years. Uh, a lot of things went into it. But Max Verstappen and that car are at a different level right now. Yeah, they're at a different level, and you know, at least uh, at least Verstappen ha- had the race for it this time. You know, it wasn't a completely a, a clinic uh, like you know what he has had last couple of races. But um, you know, he had to go through uh, Lewis Hamilton in the closing laps uh, to you know to be able to win this race, and uh, Lewis put up a fight um, for a couple of laps. Uh, but then, you know, Verstappen just had better pace, better tires, and, you know, was able to um, pull out the victory there. So, uh, you know, nothing really Lewis could do about it other than uh, to be able to uh, try and defend his position. And, um, you know, he was able to um, do as as much as he could, and uh, Verstappen still ended up winning the race. But, um, you know, Verstappen had a slow pit stop and uh, left front wheel gun, uh Gave up 11.1 seconds, uh, and then you know lost uh, the lead to Leclerc and uh, lost uh, uh, behind Hamilton. Uh, you know seven seconds behind Hamilton, but you know at least um, Hamilton had a bit of a window to operate with um, Leclerc and uh, Verstappen both battling for position for for a bit. Bought Lewis some time, but you know at the end of the day. Uh, Verstappen just had better pace overall and, um, you know, he's able to get up to Hamilton on, you know, three or four laps to go and pass, uh, pass him for the win. So that's, that's how that game ended or how that race ended. Um, you know, of course the other, other thing about that is the big incident with Alonso and with, um, Lance Stroll, uh, Lance Stroll tried to block, uh, Alonso, Alonso had, uh, 
you know the opportunity to pass uh at the um you know long straight but uh he gets pirouetted into the air kind of like uh Marcus Erickson at Nashville um and you know still somehow manages to finish uh 7th before the penalties before the 32nd penalty that he had uh so uh incredible incredible body work by Alpine and shows the how tough i guess this car is in certain situations and also uh Alonso uh, incredible skill to keep the car um, from getting any more damage after he took off in the air. But then, you know, on the other end of it, um, Lando or well, uh, Lance Stroll, uh, you know, just not a not a good decision, uh, you know, that he made there, and definitely probably, uh, you know, deserves some criticism for that type of that type of move. Um, and you know, stewards gonna have to investigate that move if they haven't already. So, um, yeah, two safety cars in this race also with Valtteri Botas uh, getting uh, stuck in the gravel in turn six. Uh, so rare, yeah, rare two safety cars. I feel like in Formula One, but um, you know, one could have been preventable uh, at the very least. And uh, you know, this this was a pretty interesting U.S. Grand Prix uh, for sure. You know, at least. Um, at least Verstappen had to work for it this time, um, but you know w- would have liked to have seen Hamilton w- uh, pull out the uh, I guess the upset victory, um, and would have been the first victory of the year for Mercedes. But then you know um, on the other end of it, Red Bull gets their first uh, constructors in eleven eleven or nine years. So um, it's been been a long time coming since they last uh, lasted it. But now now they have an opportunity uh, um, to go defend that title uh next year and um, we'll see if they're able to do that of course um now teams you know when they learned of the cost cap issue with uh with red bull now teams are going to probably try to exploit that you know mercedes seems like maybe they might they might be a team to look at trying to push the envelope when it comes to uh taking advantage of the cost cap uh so um maybe this title run here is short-lived for red bull but at the end of the day, they are the constructor and the drivers' championship for this season. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what they uh, what they do next year. Um, other other people that you know want to talk about here. Um, you know, of course, Charles Leclerc uh, got another podium. Uh, you know, Perez could have had had a chance, but you know, this time Leclerc, unlike at at uh, Suzuka, he was able to hold off Perez there at the end, and you know get a, a, a third place from uh, P12. Uh, Russell finishing fifth. Uh, you know Lando Norris, um, and clearly the number one driver at McLaren this time, finishing um, in sixth place. And um, you know uh, their deficit to Alpine's uh, down to twelve points. Although that probably changes uh, now that Alonso is uh, penalized. Um, and you know, you also have to look at some of the other guys, Esteban, uh, 11th. So, um, I think, yeah, now that Alonso has been penalized to, um, P 15 now, um, Esteban moves, moves one spot ahead. So there's going to be a little bit of difference there, uh, for, uh, for, uh, McLaren to get their deficit to, uh, uh, to Alpine in the points uh, for the constructors standing. So that's going to be a storyline to keep in mind. Um, of course, talk about Sebastian Vettel uh, coming back from 13th, uh, come, you know, finishing in eighth. 
um, and good last lap there for him. He had uh, he had a great run, and yeah. he was running sixth on merit, and they fucked up their last pit stop, and he had to come from outside yeah. of the points to get back in. That battle with Kevin Magnuson, yeah, it was a good battle. Was absolutely, one of the best things I've seen all year in Formula One. There hasn't been a whole lot to watch. Uh, in Formula One this year, and definitely since July, there hasn't been a whole lot to watch in Formula One. But Sebastian Vettel proves once again why he's one of the greatest drivers ever uh, in this sport and why we're going to miss him in this uh, sport. Um, they planted, what is it, 200? They're going to end up planting, I think, 299 trees at Coda for all of his starts that he's had in Formula One. Um, they did a ceremony for that. He had a great run. They had a great car. Aston Martin, I talked about this on Grid Talk earlier today um, when we did the preview for Mexico, that his his energy and his momentum leaving has been a big part, I think, of why they've made this big, big step forward because they were garbage at the start of the year. And I think how bad they were was uh, – Part of why Vettel said, I'm not going to keep on doing this. I don't agree with the, a lot of things that Formula One's about. I don't agree with a lot of things, how things are. And um, I have what I want to do. I want to be with my wife and my kids. And I've won 53 races. I'm one of the greatest drivers ever. I won four consecutive championships. I'm going to end up being, you know, I won more races than anybody. Or I'm tied with my he, my mentor and a hero for 13 wins in a season. Um, he, he was the last guy to win Red Bull, uh, a championship and the drivers and be a part of a constructors championship. So he's the, you look at the contrast between him and Max or and you can see that Sebastian Vettel was an ultimate competitor and he hated losing, but the difference was there's, there's class and there's awareness and there's a aspect of being humble that as the years have gone on, we get to see. And will that happen with Max Verstappen? I doubt it. Um, I don't think he's that good of a person. I don't think he'll ever be, mainly because his dad's a cocksucker. And he's being coddled by by people that are also not great people. Um, but uh, yeah, that was definitely a great battle. The Mercedes is a, not a great car. Lewis did everything in his power to try to hold him off, and he couldn't hold him off because he was losing two to seven-tenths a lap, maybe eight, nine, like a second a lap uh, to the Red Bull. The Red Bull's in a different time zone. Um, That's why they should penalize him to the fullest extent of the law because they've they've been able to gain advantages in 21, 22, and 23 um, with whatever they've been doing. And if they don't do that, then not only will Mercedes, Ferrari, and every other team that is within their power go and break the cost cap. I mean, the notion is there's no point of a cost cap at that point. And then Mercedes will basically remake their car, and it'll be a three-horse race again. Um, McLaren has a lot of money. Alpine has a lot of money. Um, Will they be able to compete at the Red Bull level? To be determined, but... Um, they need to do something about it. I get it because of the Matt Matishitz, um, passing that they held off on it. 
they're going to make a determination. They're going to give a money fine to Aston Martin for the procedural paperwork breach. But that's something that we have to look at for sure as we go on. Um, Leclerc is only two points ahead of Sergio Perez in the Drivers' Championship. Russell has fallen way back. Uh, Russell and Sainz are only separated by uh, 16 points. Uh, Hamilton is 20 points behind Russell. So there is a possibility where um, Lewis Hamilton could get not only inside the top five, but finish fourth in the Drivers' Championship with three races to go. Which, when you consider he's a four or seven time, I mean, he's a seven and a half time world champion for sure. Doesn't mean much, but um, Verstappen's going to get to 400 points pretty easily, uh, which is uh, crazy. Back in the day, you would have never thought 400 points was a thing, but yeah. Um, but screwing up all the record books uh, with all these people scoring all these points. Um, but yeah, that's the drivers' standings in regards to constructors. Ferrari is fifty-three points ahead of Mercedes with three races to go. Uh, so more than likely, the top three is set. Um, Alpine is six points ahead of McLaren um, for fourth. Alfa Romeo is only one point ahead of Aston Martin, and then Haas is only two points ahead of Alfa Tori. So there's plenty of intrigue in the Constructors' Championship, uh, Drivers' Championship. You look past, um, I mean, it's basically kind of set. I mean, the top 10 looks pretty solid. I think Vettel wants to finish in the top 10. He's only eight points behind Valtteri Bottas, so that's something to look at. I think the top nine are basically in without a problem. So that's where the real intrigue is, is from 10th on to see who's going to finish 10th in the drivers. Uh, I mean, Nicholas Latifi has the same amount of points scored as Nick DeVries, who's going to be on the grid next year, while Latifi may come to IndyCar. Valtteri Bodas also brought up how he may end up um, eventually one day uh, go and... Um, go and run IndyCar. So that's something to see how that all works out. Um, but what's it called here? Yeah. So that's uh, Formula One. Uh, we will be previewing the Mexico Grand Prix of Mexico here uh, shortly. But um, let's get through here. Go and do that. We'll uh, do the roundup. GSP roundup coming up. Uh, first with the MotoGP Malaysian Grand Prix, Peko Bagnaya winning uh, in a, a last lap uh, duel, drafting duel with Enea Bastaini, uh, his future teammate, I believe, right? Yeah, he's going to be his teammate next year, so that's going to be spicy. Um, and Fabio Quattararo finishes third. 2.77 seconds behind. Marco Basecki, fourth. Alex Rins, fifth. Jack Miller, Mark Marquez, Brad Bender, Johan Zarco, Alicia Spargaro, uh, the uh, top 10. The final race will be at Valencia in a couple weeks' time. And Peko Bagnaya is 23 points, or yeah, 23 points ahead 
of uh, Fabio Quattararo, the defending world champion. The uh, run recently where um, going all the way back to the, uh, I think, the French Grand Prix where Peko Bagnaia started a run of four consecutive wins and then a second place finish was where the tide turned. That was after Peko or Fabio Quattararo had won two races in a row and finished a second in two races in a row won. Um, that's where the tide turned. Uh, Quattararo getting a second somewhere in there. I'm trying to figure out. I can't, I don't know all the flags. Whatever. I know a lot of things. I don't know all the national flags, but whatever. Um, at the same time, Quattararo started having non point scores. He had three non point scores. At the same time, Bagnaia only had one. And then otherwise, each one of those rounds that he did finish was on the podium. So um, Peko Bagnaia trying to be the first uh, world champion since Casey Stoner for Ducati uh, has to only score at the end of the day, even if uh, Peko or Fabio Quattararo gets the win, uh, it'll be 55 and Peko Bagnaia only has to finish 13th. As long as he finishes 13th, uh, I'm trying to see what the point score is. He only needs to score two points. So I'm trying to see what the heck two points is. Uh, yeah, he has to finish 14th. He has to finish 14th. If he finishes 13th or better um, at Valencia, he will be the MotoGP world champion. If he finishes 14th, it would be a tie if Fabio Quattraro wins, and then it would go down to how many wins each person has, which Quattraro only has three, um, and Peko Bagnaia has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the tiebreaker, so as long as he finishes 14th or better, uh, Peko Bagnaia will be the uh, MotoGP world champion. We'll talk about that. Uh, a couple weeks time in uh on the GSP Ducati's won the team's title and the constructors title so they're trying to go and do the trifecta with uh Bagnaia Bastaini is only 1 point behind uh Alicia Spargaro for third in the world championship the soon to be teammate of Peko Bagnaia uh, Jack Miller is in fifth uh, he's in good spot there. Binder and Zarco only separated by two points. Alex Rins in eighth. Oliveira two points out of Jorge Martin, uh, ninth and tenth there. So we will see what happens with the MotoGP uh, championship in Moto2. And um, this past weekend, we saw um, the results there for. At Malaysia, Tony Arbolino getting the victory over Alonso Lopez. Jake Dixon rounding out the podium. Augusto Fernandez and Manuel Gonzalez uh, round out the top five. Marcel Schroeder, Cameron Bobier, Aaron Kinnett, Jeremy Alcoba, and Fermin Aldeguer round out the top ten. And in the point standings, uh, Augusto Fernandez is up by, what is it, nine and a half points. I don't know why 
Oh, because the debris uh, around in... Um, yeah, that's why. Okay. They gave out, they gave out half points. Um, Tony Arbolino has won two of the last three rounds. Um, so he's made a run a little bit. I mean, he's going to end up finishing fourth in the world champion in the Moto2 championship. Um, Ayagura, uh, 252. So he's um, nine and a half points behind Augusto Fernandez. So that's still, I mean, he's not neither. I mean, Augusto Fernandez is moving up. Ayagura could still win the championship. He's only won uh, twice, it looks like. Yeah, he's only won twice so far this year, while Augusto Fernandez has won three, four, yeah, four, four times, and he's had a bunch of podiums. So it's something to see. Um, there's a little bit of intrigue there uh, going into uh, Valencia. Joe Roberts uh, had uh, had to retire with mechanical issues in this race, so. He's still in ninth in points. Somakat Chantra, who won earlier this year, had to retire uh, due to an accident and injury at Malaysia. So um, the Thailand round was a half points round. So the Thailand rider, um, he has two points behind Joe Roberts there. Cameron Bobier, six points behind Albert Arenas. Um, trying to go and see if he can move up a little bit more. In this championship, he's 10 points behind Jorge Navarro uh, in 12th. I think that's about as far as he could kind of uh, get uh, there. And um, in terms of the team's championship, Ajo Motorsport more than likely has won. Uh, trying to see who rides for them. That's Moto3. Yeah, they have Augusto Fernandez and Pedro Acosta. So they're the Red Bull KTM team. Yeah. The Red Bull KTM team, yeah, so there are 33.5 points up. And um, when you look at the uh, riders, like if you finish, so yeah, if you maximum of 45 points you can get um, in a given round. Uh, so they're 33.5 points up. So as long as they're able to score 12 points in some way, shape, or four, they'll be able to get the team's championship and in constructors calyx is the winner by far because most of the chassis are calyx rally spain uh this past weekend saw nine time world champion or eight i don't even know how many world championships sebastian ojay's won but sebastian ojay gets a victory for toyota by 16.4 seconds over Thierry Neuville, uh, the world champion Cali Rovampera finished third, 18.1 seconds behind, or no, 34.5 seconds uh, behind. And then Atanek, who has announced his, uh, he's leaving the former world champion uh, for Hyundai, is leaving Hyundai, uh, finished 44 seconds behind. And Danny Sordo rounds out the top five. So, Three Hyundais, two Toyotas in the top five. Uh, there was four Toyotas, and Toyotas finished first, third, sixth, and seventh. Efren Heavens and Takamoto Katsuda, so sixth and seventh. So four Toyotas, and then the three Hyundais sandwiched in there in the middle. First Ford for Adrian Formo, 
finished eighth. Craig Breen, ninth. Pierre Louis Loubet finished tenth for um, the Ford team. Last race of the championship will be Rally Japan uh, in early November. The standings, Cali Rovampera is uh, out in front, huge. Uh, they didn't even put the results here for Rally Spain up here so on motorsport.com yet. So um, he's um, he's won the world championship, youngest world champion ever. So credit to him and uh, Toyota for building such a great program. Argentina saw, had hosted the World Superbike Championship and Alvaro Batista spoke about how Johnny Ray has been on a been off a little bit and he said that they had a chance to possibly uh, break that run that uh, Kawasaki has had where they haven't been able to win races uh but in race 1 and they're probably talking about race 1 where Alvaro Bautista won over Johnny Ray Axel Bassani, Iker Lacuona, Michael Rubin, Rinaldi was the top five. Uh, Garrett Gerloff finished 13th. Toprak Raskat Lioku uh, finished 15th, so there was issues there. For him, uh, the Super Bowl race saw Toprak Raskat Lioku win over Alvaro Bautista and Johnny Ray. Rubin, Rinaldi, Lowe's top five. Uh, Gerloff 13th again. And then in race two, Alvaro Bautista gets a victory over Toprak Raskat Lioku, Johnny Ray, Alex Lowe, Michael Rubinali, Javi Vieje, Iker Lacuona, uh, Andre Locatelli, Scott Redding, Michael Vandermark. Garrett Gerloff finishes 12th. So two uh, rounds, six total races to go. They'll be uh, in in Mandalika, which is, I think, um, Thailand. So we'll go to Thailand, and then we'll go to... Australia and Phillip Island to end the season. The standings going into that. Uh, Alvaro Bautista's 75 and he's 83 points up. Toprak Raskat Lioku is uh, 16 points out of Johnny Ray uh, heading into that race there. So that's the battle essentially amongst the top three. They're in a different they're in a different zip code. Ruben Rinaldi is pretty comfortable in fourth. Alex Lowe's is only five points ahead of Locatelli in sixth, and 11 ahead of Bas- Bassani, who was in seventh. Uh, Iker Lacuona, Scott Redding, and Javi Vieje, who had a great, uh, decent weekend, um, ended up gaining ground on Garrett Gerloff um, in their battle for 10th in the championship. So something to look at. In regards to that, we'll get into the World Superbikes here in a few weeks' time. Uh, Supercars will be running at Surfer's Paradise. I'm going to get into that. So get into the V8 Supercars, uh, talking about the the championship and talking about for next year's uh, schedule. Shane Van Gisbergen won the Bathurst 1000 as basically going to win this championship he's dominated uh this season the amount of wins he's had um so there's surfers paradise is the last that's not right um there's surfers paradise and then adelaide but more than likely the championship will be determined this weekend 
at surfers because Shane Van Gisbergen is up by over, you know, he's essentially up by 400 points um, over Cameron Waters. He's the only person that can possibly stop the, the Shane Van Gisbergen becoming a three-time Supercars champion. Anton Di Pasquale is in third. Mostert is in fourth. Will Davis in fifth. So the next four drivers behind SVG are all going to be Ford guys. Brock Feeney is SVG's teammate. So something to see how he progresses um, in year two, taking over for Jamie Winch Cup uh, in that ride at Triple Eight. We'll talk about that, of course, uh, next week. Uh, NHRA in Las Vegas, next to last round of their season uh, coming up. The points going into that. Justin Ashley has an 82-point lead over Brittany Force, 84 over Antron Brown, 96 over Mike Sol- or Steve Torrance, 118 over Mike Salinas uh, with two races to go, and there's points and a half at Pomona. So big round here for those drivers. Steve Torrance trying to keep his championship, uh, consecutive championship string going. We'll have to have a huge weekend at Las Vegas. Brittany Forrest has had the 10 fastest runs in top fuel history. So if she can set a record, she could get herself back in the mix. And you can never count out Antron Brown. He's a, he's a dog. He's an OG Jersey guy. We'll see what he can do um, in top fuel. In funny car, Robert Height is 10 points at a Ron Caps. Matt Hagen, 78 points back. Uh, after that, it's going to be kind of tough. John Force, Bob Tasca. John Force is 137 points back. Bob Tasca is 174 points back. It's really a three-horse race with two races to go. We'll see. Um, you have one Chevy, you have one Toyota, and one Dodge involved in that battle. And then in Pro Stock, it's basically over. Um, I'm assuming if Eric Anders can... Go some rounds, get some good qualifying points. She can go a couple of rounds, and if Aaron Stanfield has issues, um, she's going to end up winning another Pro Stock Championship, and she'll probably be happy about it since she's an insurrectionist anyway and a dumb cunt. Um, Matt Smith is 51 points ahead of Joey Gladstone. 103 points ahead of Jerry Savoy, 118. Steve Johnson, 119 on his wife. Angie Smith, 140 over former multiple-time champion Eddie Krawick, 164 on Angel Sampay. So um, we'll see if Matt Smith can give himself a cushion going into uh, Pomona for what would be yet another title for him in the Pro Stock Motorcycle category where... He has been swapping between his Buell and his Suzuki for competitiveness based on the rules. The other big piece of news in regards to um, the NHRA at Las Vegas is Tony Stewart is going to make his NHRA debut this weekend. Instead of being at the cutoff race for the Cup Series, he's going to be making his NHRA debut running in top alcohol dragster um, the top alcohol dragster category, uh, which, I mean, that's a really tough category to be able to compete in anyway. Um, he's going to try to qualify and compete in eliminations, 
for McPhillips Racing. Uh, they've had uh, the likes of Troy Coughlin Jr., Mike Coughlin, Jasmine Salinas, part of that whole Salinas clan uh, that is part of NHRA in different categories. So uh, they are willing to work with uh, Tony and Mobile One will be sponsoring him. They announced that and all that. So it's interesting how that's a cool looking car. Yeah. I wish they'll make that die cast. Probably waste a shit ton of money if they do make it. Um, not a bad looking car though. Big injector and all that. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. If he can go and qualify and uh, uh, make some rounds in his mobile mobile one top alcohol dragster. That's pretty crazy. He's going John Andretti in that spot. I mean, John Andretti didn't. The difference is John Andretti didn't go to top alcohol dragster. He drove a top field dragster uh, back in the day. He drove the Taco Bell car. Uh, I don't know who ran it, but he drove when he was in between jobs in 1993 uh, before he became a NASCAR driver, essentially full time. He drove a top field dragster and um, ran under five seconds, which was huge back in those days. And um, I think he ran somewhere around just under 300 miles an hour. And so Tony Stewart's going to be running somewhere around 275 to around 270, 280 miles an hour. And that alcohol dragster will see what he can do uh, at Las Vegas. Uh, let's get into Mexico preview uh, this uh, coming weekend. Grand Prix. The Mexican Mexico Grand Prix, Grand Prix in Mexico, whatever you want to call it, Mexico City Grand Prix, as they call it, in um, in uh, Formula One parlance, uh, we have to go and make some picks. Uh, Josh, what are you looking for this weekend? I mean, the constructors' battle outside of the top three is intriguing. You have battles between teams four and five, which is Alpine, McLaren. Then you have uh, six and seven, which is, uh, what is it, Alfa Romeo and um, Aston Martin. And then there's Alfa Tori and Haas, eight and, or Haas and Alfa Tori, eight and nine. So there's a lot of intrigue there. There's essentially one and a half rides left. Haas's second seat. And, um, you know, Logan Sargent was announced pending. He does the job at Abu Dhabi uh, to get enough uh, uh, points for super license points. Uh, he is going to be Alex Albon's teammate next year in Formula One to be the first full-time American driver since Scott Speed, the first driver American driver to run in a Formula One Grand Prix since Alexander Rossi in 2015 driving for Manor. But... um. What are you looking for in regards to that? Who do you think is going to, and what are your thoughts on the race itself? But then what do you, who do you think is going to be on the podium uh, this weekend? And do you, and is there anybody you might think could go and do something that we wouldn't expect outside of that podium, those podium picks? Yeah. First of all, you know, starting out with the podium, um, you know, I think um, we got to see if Max Verstappen can continue his, you know, his victory tour in Mexico. You know, he already completed his tour 
uh, in the United States and can he, you know, go down Mexico and um, continue to win there? Um, I think that's the first thing you have to look out for. And so far he's been able to do it. So, you know, it's hard to, you know, go against him uh, for winning the race. But, you know, beyond that, um, you know, I was surprised this past weekend with Lewis Hamilton finishing uh, in second. I thought maybe he might be able to, you know, challenge for a podium but i didn't think he would like be in position where like if things actually went right he could have won the race uh like austin but you know he's been doing uh pretty good you know this past uh weekend um in you know austin so you know why can't he continue that type of success in uh mexico so you know i'll, I'll go with lewis finishing second here in uh mexico and then uh, third place, um, you know, I'm going to go, why not go with Sergio uh, Perez in third place, uh, uh, you know, the, come home to Mexico and uh, finish, you know, on the podium in your home Grand Prix, you know, it's a pretty good deal there. So, and, um, you know, can see him, you know, going and getting that uh, on the podium. Um, you know, I think also, you know, for the other storylines, um, we talked about McLaren versus Alpine and the Constructors Championship um, can can McLaren get anything, get any closer to Alpine um, in this, you know, championship? Um, it's uh, kind of hard to do. You know, we've only got a handful of races left, but certainly possible, you know, things can happen. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be a tough strategy because obviously uh, Ricardo, you know, going out the door, you know, hasn't really performed all that well this year uh, compared to Lando Norris. Whereas, you know, Alpine, they've been pretty reliable between uh, Esteban Ocon and, uh, and Fernando Alonso. So, uh, you know, I feel like maybe you have to lean towards, uh, Alpine being favorable in this, uh, type of scenario. And so, you know, I think, um, uh, Alpine, they have the stronger team and you know, expect them to come out on the other end for, uh, you know, for the, at least that points battle in the constructors championship. Um, you know, also, uh, talk about Ferrari, obviously, uh, think, you know they've they've been up there as well with uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, but you know I'm just not sure how they'll how well they can do in um, in Mexico. Um, you know, also Carlos Sainz, you know he spun on the first you know first corner, uh, got taken out by George Russell. Um, would love to see him make a recovery from that uh, this weekend, but you know I uh, don't think that they'll have the ability like the Red Bull uh, does at the at this uh, at this racetrack. So. Um, yeah, I'll snub them for the podium, but you know, keep Lewis and Sergio on the podium. But um, yeah, it should be an interesting you know uh, race uh, you know here in Mexico with um, you know this with this car um, has a lot of challenging corners, um, and then you know, also the uh, straight at Mexico is um, you know pretty long, so it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, especially you know with uh, this new car with the uh, you know the ground effects and um, you know the different. Uh, distribution of uh downforce that we've uh that we've seen this season so um you know we'll we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out but um you know first of all uh, i think um you'll have to see if uh lewis can continue his winning streak here uh in formula one as uh, we close out the year i have a hard time believing he's going to be able to he had his chance on sunday and maybe brazil with the sprint can help him uh higher downforce of brazil you know, crazy things can happen. Maybe the Hondas start failing um, after they go and put the hammer to Red Bull. Um, 
but that's something. Did you make a wild card pick on that or? Oh, uh, I guess yeah for the wild card. Yeah, um, I mean, think uh, you know I'll go with uh, Lando Norris this week uh, as the wild card. Uh, let's see what he can do against um, trying to carry the points and you know get get points for uh, McLaren as they go up against Alpine. Makes sense. That's a good call. Um, I'm going to pick Sergio Perez to win um, and basically have the whole entire circuit destroyed. I kind of would sign to see that happen. Uh, it would be the first Mexican driver to ever win at uh, the Hermanos Rodriguez circuit. And um, it would be good for the series. It would be good for him. Uh, for the sacrifices he has made to help Red Bull win both championships. They went and made an engine change or he made power unit component changes to help him. uh, And he still finished in fourth uh, on Sunday. And he had a car that was really fast. So let's see if Max Verstappen knows how to be a team player. I know he's not known for being able to drive around people who drive hard. Um, can he actually go and lay over for his teammate for what could be a great box office victory, considering it's, uh, you know, Dietrich Mateschitz, uh passing if uh, Checo Perez wins in Mexico? It'll be huge for the sport. So um, I'm picking Sergio Perez to win. I'm picking Charles Leclerc to finish second. And I'm picking Max Verstappen to finish third. That's what I picked on the Grid Talk podcast in the preview. Um, Mercedes doesn't have the top-end speed to hold up on those straightaways. Um, so I would have put a Mercedes guy on the podium, but I don't believe that. Uh, tailbacks, hey, you're going to be able to win the next two races. Just lay down here. It's good for multiple entities. Uh, my wildcard selection... Uh, here will be Fred Alonzo uh, because he um, he was running well after almost dying uh, yesterday for Mexican GP Echo to win. And I put Leclerc second, MV third, and wildcard L Lan. Hopefully the Mercedes can do something. But I have more hope for the Mercedes at Brazil coming up in a few weeks' time. Uh, we got Xfinity and Cup at Martinsville. So um, I'm going to end up going first here for the Xfinity series. Um, oh, Brandon Brown's driving for SS Greenlight. That's interesting. Stephen Parsons driving for um, BJ McLeod. He got 40 for 38. Jesse Luigi, they'll have him in the 34, so I guess that car is going to fail to qualify. Um, not sure what the owner points are. Um uh, curious about that because yeah, Emerlin Gase, if you're inside of the top 30, yeah, he's right on the edge. They're five points behind. They're five points out of the top 30. Uh, the 08 is in 30th. The Emerlin Gase, 35. Is in 29th. The 66 car for MBM is in 32nd. The 91 uh, is 
in 33rd. So that'll be an interesting battle amongst all those teams from the the 38, the 4, 45, 35, 08, 34, 66, 91, and the 6 for JD Motorsports. But um, to me, 40 for 38 spots, you have Sammy Smith in the 18 for Pilot Flying J, Rajah Carruth, Will you driving for Alpha Prime? Howie D. Savino uh, driving for Alpha Prime as well. Nick Sanchez for Big Machine Records. Big McKine Records if you're Gary Delabate. Uh, Ty Gibbs in the 54. J.J. Illy. Chris Wrong in the 68. Uh, Ronnie Bassett who failed to qualify. Uh, he has Mike Hillman. That's his crew chief. They don't have any points. Um, Stefan Parsons driving for, as I said, for BJ McLeod. Josh Williams for DGM. Chad Fincham for MBM. Brandon Brown driving SS Greenlight uh, 08, as I mentioned as well. So uh, something to look at. There are some interesting guys in the lower uh, teams. I'm going to go and pick. I want to go wild card and I want to go crazy. Uh, to make the playoff a little more interesting. But I'm going to pick Ty Gibbs. And um, I think Justin Allgaier gets in over A.J. Allmendinger, which would mean that um, three of the four uh, drivers in the play- in the final four would be uh, junior motorsports drivers. So that's uh, those. Uh, and in terms of a wild card selection for this race, on Saturday, it's interesting. It's tough, but I look at this field and I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe this one, maybe that one. Um, my wild card pick for this weekend's race would be Sammy Smith because he's in a Gibbs car. So I'm hedging in regards to uh, the Xfinity series. I figure Ty Gibbs wins to go and guarantee himself. Uh, playoff spot in that um, Justin Allgaier passes A.J. Allmendinger to get into the final four. And then Sammy Smith is my wild card. Who are your picks for um, this race, Josh? I mean, yeah, those are some good picks there. Sammy Smith, uh, especially, you know, he's been pretty impressive in his, uh, you know, his starts in the 18 car this season. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go, um, uh, I, you know, I think, for this race, I mean, it's pretty tough, you know, especially with, uh, you know, I think three of the four are going to make it in with, you know, already Barry Gregson. I think Gibbs makes it in, um, you know, Almendinger, I think, you know, like it's like better earlier. Um, he's just got to outrun Allgaier, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough, a uh, tough deal. Um, I mean, just to, just to make those picks, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, it's hard. I'm I'm gonna go say that, you know, you know what I'm gonna do it. I'll say that AJ Allmendinger wins at Martinsville to advance to uh, Phoenix and in the final four. Uh, yeah, I was debating whether I should actually do it or not, um, but you know I'm gonna go go with it. You know why not? Um, they've they've had an opportunity. Um, you know in the past. You know I think um, Allmendinger has a good chance of winning as long as they they can stay up front. Um, you know, I feel like if he isn't up front in the final research, he's one of those drivers that will try to make, make a, a move, 
if he feels like he needs to make a move to win the race. Um, but you know, he also knows how to race smart. So, uh, you know, he's, a he's a guy I think that, uh, could get it done. Uh, but as far as a so wild Ty Gibbs make it in yeah. over Justin Allgaier. Yeah. Or so Ty Gibbs, yeah. Ty Gibbs making it over Justin Allgaier. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I'm saying that Almeninger wins. Yeah. Um, I got yeah. that. Yeah. And then who's your wild card? Um, yeah, wild card. You know, we'll go with. Uh, uh, you know, it's tough. There's a lot of guys that you can go wild card. You know, I'll go with Daniel Hamrick as a wild card. You know, he's a a short track guy um, in the Xfinity series, and he's been um, pretty good record. Uh, you know, on the short tracks uh, in general, he's you know comes from the super late model. So, you know, we'll go with him uh, as wild card this week. All right, so let's go and uh, make the. Big picks. These are the big ones, honestly. It's a cup series. Uh, There's the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville. There's one locked-in driver uh, in the Drivers' Championship. There's two drivers with Joey Logano and Kyle Larson locked in uh, for the uh, Owners' Championship. 36 for 36, so no sweat in terms of um, any qualifying because of the way the charter system works. Uh, uh, we have, what's it called? Uh, Bubba Wallace is back. Uh, it's one of his best racetracks is Martinsville. Um, Gagson driving the 48. Landy Castle driving the 77. BJ McLeod driving for himself. Motorsport Games. Ty Keebler Gibbs driving the 23, AJ Allmendinger in the 16, driving with a, um, what's it called? Um, what's that asshole? Um, a Barstool Sports uh, sponsorship there. Uh, yeah, pardon my cheesesteak. Pardon my cheesesteak, yeah. Pardon my yeah. take. Yeah, so pardon my cheesesteak will be on AJ Allmendinger's car. And uh, JJ Ailey's driving for Rick Ware. Uh, yeah, you got one race to go. There's a lot of intrigue in regards to this playoff. Um, there's two guys locked in in owners. There's one guy locked in in drivers. Uh, Ross Chastain is plus 19. Clyde is plus 11. Will Byron is plus 5 over Denny Hamlin. So, and then after that, the guys that are behind them have to, I mean, essentially win. I mean, the last two definitely have to win, but um, Ryan Blaney hasn't won all year. Trying to get to 20 winners this year, it would be a big spot to where if Ryan Blaney or even Martin Truex, who probably could have won on Sunday, um, can go and win. Uh, Martinsville is hard to pass with this car. It's going to be a lot about qualifying. Uh, Will Byron won the race earlier this year and then disappeared after that. Um, based on the owner points, he's only a point ahead of Kyle Larson, but Kyle Larson already advanced. So the current point standings have him six points behind uh, his teammate, William Clyde Elliott, uh, the second for uh the final playoff spot in the owners championship a lot to take in there josh but who are you looking at to win uh who are you looking at to advance and um 
what do you see as a wild card contender uh, in this race at Martinsville? Yeah, uh, I think for this race, you know, we we talked about Danny Hamlin before, and you know, I think you know, go back to last year how Danny Hamlin should have probably won Martinsville, and you know, ended up getting kind of bumped out of the way by Alex Bowman uh, for it, uh, and lost out on that, but still made it into the uh, playoffs. But you know, I I think this time around, you know, I think Danny Hamlin um, can win to get into the playoffs. Uh, but it's going to be a tough deal because, you know, William Byron had a really good car back in May or back in April when they raced at Martinsville. And, you know, this it's uh, tough because Martinsville, you know, they didn't have a lot of passing last time around. Um, and, you know, the 24 just went and dominated the whole race basically and, and won. So if they bring back that same car, it, it will be a, a tough. But, you know, I think. You know, Danny Hamlin, you know, he, he knows this is his op- best opportunity to probably win a championship right now, um, especially as, you know, later on, you know, as it gets further into the 2311 deal and he has to, you know, give more uh, of his resources and time into um, being an owner. You know, right now as a team is still young, uh, you know, you can do that uh, and continue to be a, a good race car driver. So I think Danny Hamlin goes out and wins, gets into the playoffs, makes it in. Um, I think as far as people getting in, I think Ross Chastain is safe, obviously. Um, you know, and I think, uh, uh, Chase Elliott, I think he, you know, he knows what he needs to do to get in, uh, to win or, you know, to make it into the playoffs. So, or into the, uh, championship four. So, uh, I think Chase Elliott makes it in. And then of course I have Danny Hamlin winning to get into the, uh, final four here. And then, you know, of course that leaves out, uh, William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Chris Bell, Chase Briscoe. Uh, so that's, I guess that's going to be my final four, um, uh, for, for this year. We'll see, we'll see if it happens, uh, or not. Um, you know, so it's going to be an interesting race. Um, yeah, I, I think for a wild card, you know, um, go back to the other short track race, high speed short track in Bristol, but nonetheless still a short track, uh, go, you know, the winner there was Chris Buescher. You know, I think, you know, he's made a lot of improvements this year. Uh, in the Cup Series, and you know, I think uh, he can be a wild card, uh, someone who can you know flirt with a top five, top ten finish uh, here in this race. Someone you know that uh, can definitely run up front uh, when it when it counts, and you know could could be a factor, uh, especially in the closing laps. If you know if it comes down to it, um, you know where driver needs position, maybe he's in the way and he races them harder, or you know. Um, you know, puts, puts himself in position where he might be able to affect the race because he has a better car or just, you know, has better driving technique at that time. So, you know, uh, Chris Buescher, yeah, definitely, uh, I think, could be a good wild card this weekend here at Martinsville. That's a good pick because the RFK cars have been great here recently. Um, and and what do you call? Brad's been great there uh, in recent years as well. So, um I, I mean, good picks. I put them in our chat uh, here. You had uh, Danny Hamlin win, Chastain, WCE2, along with Joey Logano uh, to be the final four. So there would be uh, one Ford, one Toyota, two Chevys, four different teams involved. And then you add Kyle Larson as an owner's championship driver uh, would make it five. For me, 
It's interesting. For me, it's... um, I'm going to end up picking, and this is just total dice roll. Um, There's one person I would pick. He's out of the playoffs. But I'm picking another person that's out of the playoffs right now, or out of the, the possibility to win a championship, but he could get himself in. Um, I'm picking Ryan Blaney to go and win at uh, at Martinsville here uh, on Sunday afternoon, get himself into the Final Four, give Penske two of the four drivers uh, into the Final Four. Um, it would be huge for him. It would be 20 drivers in the um, 20 winners so far in 35 races. If they go and do that, um, Ryan Blaney has been one of the more consistent drivers this year. Um, when it comes to the driver points, I'm saying Blaney goes and gets in, which means that Chastain and Elliott, I feel like, as you said, Josh, would get in. So I'm saying Blaney makes it in, and then Chastain and Elliott get in as well. Um, which would see William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, and Chase Briscoe get eliminated. So I'll go and type that in here. You can go and say something here, Josh. For Cup at Martinsville, sees... uh, Yeah, I actually like that pick, though, with Ryan Blaney. We'll go with the even 20 winners this year in the Cup Series. Yeah. And WCE2, make the F4, and then I have a wild card selection. So my wild card selection is going to be Bubba Walls. Um, it's yeah, one of his dude. best racetracks. Uh, he's mad. He had to sit home. I'm pretty sure that um, his fiance had to go and give him a couple handy J's to release some tension. Maybe a little other. more than that. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I'm pretty sure he's whacking off in his rig. So um, there's probably going to be some mess there, and it's going to affect his driving ability there on iRacing. But um, he has won in the truck there multiple times. The uh, Gibbs team has shown an ability to win at that racetrack, and Bubba's going to be mad. The guy that got taken out by him... Uh, a couple weeks ago, gets the win in dominant fashion. Um, I'm expecting Bubba Wallace to go out there and show to everybody that he's somebody to be reckoned with um, as years go on. And I think that Denny Hamlin wants to see that happen personally, even if he doesn't make the Final Four, which honestly I think he has a great chance to, which there would be a similar playoff scenario where if both of those guys are running up front and Bubba needs a win, but his owner is in front of him, he's going to lay over the same way Eric Jones did a couple of years ago. That's something to see and how NASCAR handles that whole thing. So uh, we've done our previews and picks who advances, uh, Josh, it's your time here in terms of the sim segment. What have you done in regards to iRacing or some of the other um, exploits there? And what are you going to be planning to do this week? And also keep in mind, not 
iRacing related, but I'm sure there's openings on Grid Talk if you are interested. So let's let let's hear about um the um sim segment. Yeah, of course. Um yeah. Ran I just ran one homestead race last week, uh on Cup side, uh and tried tried to run uh that and you know Wanted to wanted to see if I could run the high line like Kyle Larson, you know, like Tyler Reddick and everything. And uh, you know, it's it's a lot harder than it looks, I guess. You know, it's um uh I guess there's you know, you get loose off of turn four, off of turn two, uh, a bunch, and so you know, it's hard to hold the car down. Um, but you know, you can make a lot of time there, um if you you know, if you can get it right with uh the approach and you know uh, off throttle time and all that stuff, but um, you know, and then of course the the middle was working there too. But um, yeah, that that was an interesting race. Uh, some people that I was uh, racing with, they took each other out. Uh, I forgot where I finished. I think I finished in like, in, I don't know, maybe like thirteenth or fourteenth. So it wasn't really a uh, you know impressive or anything like that. But you know, I just went and ran ran one race just to see what it was like on there you know it was kind of busy last week some other stuff but and then was uh kind of out of the house throughout the weekend but you know sometimes that was you know that's how it goes uh this week i racing you know we've got um uh we got martinsville uh and on the cup series uh and the uh, xfinity series so be looking to um try maybe run one of those races uh you know martinsville is a pretty good track for me um, definitely, you know, liked running at Martinsville over the years. You know, when I first got into sim racing, that was the track I was good at, uh, initially back, back on, I mean, even before NRO three, uh, you know, running on NASCAR Thunder 2003, uh, on the, on the PC, uh, that was the first track where I was really good at in sim racing, uh, as a kid. And, you know, with, uh, the legend series as well, the 87 cars, they're running at Michigan. So, I always like running that one. It's a lot of tire management and um, you know managing managing your strategy there. Indy cars uh, at Road America on the fixed series, so maybe you would like to try that and actually race a, a road course uh, Indy car series race for once. Um, uh, the uh, open series is at uh, New Hampshire uh, for the Indy car open setup series. Um, then you got the other road series racing this weekend or this week. You got um, Mazda MX-5 at Oran Park. Uh, you got um, see what else? Uh, Is it Alton yeah. Park? No, Oran Park. Oran Park. Oran Park. Yeah, in Australia. Yeah. yeah, Australia. And then and then you have the uh, touring cars. The uh, so that's the uh, Honda Civic Type R and uh, Hyundai. Uh, Elantra, Hyundai Velocitor at, at Olton Park. So, Oran Park and Olton Park. So, you know, two two very similarly named uh, race or, yeah, circuits there. Um, got, uh, let's see what else. I'm trying to look at this list. Um, there's a lot, lot of uh, things here. Um, yeah. Uh, got maybe the USF 2000s at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course. That might be interesting. Uh, there, uh, I'm trying to see if we have the, uh, uh, let's see, open, well, trying to look for an open wheel race, but you have to sort it by, uh, by road racing, 
Um, yeah, so there's always yeah always a lot of op um, opportunities to you know race different series at iRacing uh, across you know multiple different series. Uh, so definitely you know definitely uh, going to try to pick it up this week or at some point, um, and you know try to run uh, at least a couple. So you know we'll see uh, when I'm able to do that. Of course, you know I'll let you know when I do. Um, yeah, I try to try to get on a grid talk if I can. Uh, I know we talked about it last week and like to try to maybe actually do it. I um, ended up being out of the house on Saturday, and that's why I uh, wasn't able to do it. And then uh, Sunday I was busy with some other stuff um, uh, and everything. So uh, I have to. I just have to see what my plans are this week, and I um, may have to do some things, but I'll try to work it in uh, if I can, and I'll I'll let you know on that on that end uh, there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's it for me in sim segment. Of course, um, uh, you know we got a lot of racing. You know, still left to go here. A couple weeks left here in NASCAR, so it should be interesting. And then Formula One's getting ready to wrap it up, and then that'll be it for this year. So it's been interesting year of racing so far, and you know we'll still uh, still have a couple weeks to go, and you know still have a lot a uh, few more interesting things to say. But uh, yeah, I mean you can always find me on. Uh, Twitch at Twitch TV slash UCLR2 where I stream my iRacing when I'm able to stream it and um, you know when I when I want to so go in there and watch what I you know all my racing stuff of course you can uh, find find me on Twitter JP Huffine where uh, you know get my takes off on you know the Jacksonville Jaguars and where they stand after trading away one of their best offensive players in the last couple of years and um, you know how should feel about that or not so um yeah still kind of confused and bewildered i guess baffled by the move but you know we'll move on and i guess we'll we'll play travis etn for the rest of the year at rb1 uh, on a passing team so in a year where passing is low uh great foresight on that one but um you know uh you can always find our video feeds at uh, Grip Street Podcast YouTube. Go and subscribe to our channel, and subscribe to uh, you know our our page, and you know like our videos, put on notifications, you know do whatever you can to uh, support, comment, and all that stuff. And uh, you know we'll have our videos up there later this week. So yeah, that's it for me. Um, yeah, we glad we flipped it over to football to start out, so we can get that off. Uh, of course, um, interesting weekend of sports as always, and yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Florida, Georgia is this weekend too in Jacksonville. So, um, hope, hopefully, you know, the Gators kind of it's in a cocktail party right there. Yeah. Yeah. World's greatest cocktail party. And yeah, I would like to see, yeah, the Gators go out and beat Georgia, but you know, Georgia has been looking pretty tough, uh, last couple of years and, uh, you know, Florida's kind of in a rebuilding year, I guess. And, you know, they had a couple of good wins this year with, uh, you know, the first game of the year, they were up against a ranked team and won. Uh, but you know, Georgia's been playing pretty tough, and you know, they've kind of they've kind of been outmuscled the last couple of weeks uh, when it comes to the more physical teams like Kentucky and uh, LSU. So, and and uh, Tennessee, the loss of them too. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But um, you know, right now, right now, uh, you know, it looks like Georgia's been you know the better team uh, this year in the last couple of years. So. Um, but hopefully they win because uh, I don't like Georgia, of course, and everything. But yeah, I'll let you uh, close out the rest of the show here, Phil. Yeah, yeah, you're you're a Florida alum, so I completely understand that. And I bowled with Alabama 
alums, or at least one Alabama alum. And uh, so I completely understand that. And, um, you know, the fact is, here, I'm trying to look at, I'm looking at my fantasy thing because I'm updating the dual point standings. Uh, it's the fantasy, but for us, you can find us at Grips for Pod on Twitter. You can find us at Grips for Podcast on YouTube as Josh handles that side of the business. Um, you can find um, Josh at JP Huffine and you Sailor 2 for his Twitch streams for iRacing. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter where I go and post all different types of things depending on what's going on. Uh, we will uh, be back for episode 142 of the Gripster podcast next week, talking about uh, NASCAR Cup and Xfinity in uh, Martinsville. We'll talk about the Mexico Grand Prix of Mexico as well. We'll um, get into supercars at Surfers Paradise and uh, NHRA. This coming weekend. Yeah, because, yeah, NHRA will also be going this weekend at uh, Las Vegas, which will be the um, debut of Tony Stewart in a top alcohol dragster. We'll talk about that um, in the GSP roundup. It'll be a very short roundup. Kind of figuring we're going to have Joe on because it's going to be a more NASCAR-centric show um, next weekend, or next week, uh, because the following week will be, and it will also have MotoGP. So, yeah, there you go. So the MotoGP, Moto, the, all the series will be ending their season as well, along with NASCAR uh, next weekend. So we'll preview that on episode 142 of the Grifter Podcast. And episode 143 will be more international-based along with um, Formula One because for whatever, yeah, Sao Paulo GP. yeah. So we'll uh, get into that. But um, we thank you for listening to Gripture Podcast. Uh, we thank you for the support. Give us likes, subscribe, let your friends know about the GSP we talk about. Sports, we talk about motorsports. I mean, Yankees lost yesterday. Aaron Judge is going to be the MVP of the AL, but he may not be back. So we're probably going to talk about that in December when things slow down a little bit in regards to um, motorsports. Uh, World Supercross ran in um, Australia, but they don't have results up there or else I would have talked about it. Ralph Shaheen. Uh, was uh, announcing that Eli Tomac won all three rounds in the first race, trying to instill his uh, power in regards to Supercross supremacy, uh, something to look at. Um, so we might bring that up next week. But for for Josh and myself, thank you for listening to Gripture Podcast. We'll be back next week for episode 142 um god bless take care of one another be nice to one another this society the way things are just being nice just being just humble doing your thing pays a lot more than a lot of the horrible crap that we're going through and a lot of the terrible things people are doing to one another um i mean i'm not a somebody who can go and 
I mean, as somebody who has gone through depression and things that I go through and the shit I do on this show proves that if you need help, get help. Don't go and resort to extremes to go and theoretically fix your problem because at the end of the day you're not fixing the problem you're making a bigger problem um but that's probably a discussion for another day in another podcast for josh i'm phil thanks for listening to gsp we'll be back next week for e142 take care god bless goodbye